0: Everyone, and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media at Medium Cool Pod on G- or at Gmail.com uh, by searching Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can just Facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. Search that on the Googles or something. I already fucked this interrupt. The point is, <clears throat> find us Medium Cool Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at Medium at gmail.com. And uh, Hey, like, subscribe, follow wherever you are. That really helps us out. I know it seems so trivial and it is so overplayed by uh, creators trying to get you to uh, smash that like button, Uh, but it really helps. It does. Also, leaving a rating, review, whatever you can do, we appreciate you. So uh, all that said, I'm kind of streamlining and not giving a fuck because this is a long-ass episode, but guess what? It's the shortest episode top 10 of a year we've ever done. This one uh, ends up being right around that two and a half hour mark-ish. Uh, but hey, listen, this is the top 10 of 2022. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm clearing my throat so much. Uh, so the reason that we do this so late is, uh, and, and Matthew Sosie has a better way to go about it, but um, uh, some of us, me especially, uh, don't always get all of the movies that we need to see to make a comprehensive good top 10 list uh, before the end of the year. Uh, some of us are not as privileged as others, and uh, and we don't get to see all of those things. Now, I could very easily do what Matthew Sosi does. Put out a top 10 you know at the the last week of of the year or the first week of the next year uh, so it's still timely you know throw out your top 10 and then once the Oscars get close, do a recap of the top 10 and talk about how it's changed based on some of the newer stuff that you were able to get a hold of that's what Matthew Sosi does it is a great idea that is a great way to go about it um, <clears throat> but me uh, I just wait a month <clears throat> Excuse me guys sorry I just wait a month and then we do the thing. It's always the last uh, the last Tuesday of uh, of January is usually when this episode drops. Um, and so anyways uh, so this is the thing and I hope you guys enjoy. It. I'm really excited to talk about some of these movies. I will say this though. Um, We have very, very few overlaps here. So you're going to hear about a lot of movies. You're going to have a lot of stuff you're going to want to see. I'm very excited for you to hear these lists. Um, And yeah, very, very excited. So I'm just going to jump into it. I don't have a whole lot more to say. Um, I know that next week uh, we will be, uh, either we or I will be covering Infinity Pool, the new Brandon Cronenberg movie. Uh, Actually as I'm recording it, I just saw it. So uh, by the time next week's episode comes out, I will have been able to uh, break that down a little bit. Um, So that'd be fun. If you're interested in seeing Brandon Kroderberg's Infinity Pool, uh, you know, look no further. Uh, But it is out now though. Uh, By the time that this drops, it will be out, I should say. Uh, So it's out now. See if you can find it in a theater near you. Get an opinion and then you can hear mine. And hey, you can see if yours aligns with mine. Uh, All that said, we're not to 2023 yet, as far as we're concerned. We need to finish up 2022. So here is Joe Shearer, Matthew Sosie, and me, Austin Glidden, talking about our favorite films of 2022. The time that we have all been waiting for, and a month later than literally everyone else... <laughs> <laughs> the top ten of 2022 episode. I'm here with Joe Shearer. Say hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. And uh, I'm here with Matthew Sosie. Say hello, Matt.
1: The man of the hour. The man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. How you doing, guys? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good to be yeah, dude. I'm doing great. I'm excited about this. This is going to be interesting. This is like like what a weird uh year to talk about movies. I feel like because I'm curious to see how many overlap. Um, and I just can't wait because I know for a fact, well, okay, I don't know for a fact, but I just know at least one of mine. We'll see how it goes over. We might have a debate. We'll see. Uh-oh. Um, anyways, so uh, the the for the listeners, the the way we're going to do this today is uh, in, for the sake of brevity here, because we can all talk about movies forever. Um, the six through ten picks, we're going to go through each of us and just kind of list those off and give some brief um you know, little info on them or whatever. And then once we get to five and work our way down to one, uh, we will actually do our kind of traditional conversational uh, kind of list thing. So that's what we're going to kind of go with. And uh, to get started, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Matthew. Tell us, you know, ten, nine, eight, seven, six. I can count backwards. It's okay. But the point is. <laughs> I'm a test, man. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Give us your 10 through 6 go for it
1: okay so i yeah i first off i always i always brag uh like the first week in january that i'm the last critic on earth that reveals his top 10 and then and then this happens so
0: that's all right well let me say this real quick i have to interrupt right there because this is the thing all right (laughs) i have i still didn't have a lot of access to a lot of stuff but the thing is like we just got for example the whale in theaters here yeah like last week no i mean so
1: yeah no, and I, I've 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 said yeah. it, and it's my annual way of saying this. I I do a list at the end of the calendar year. I kind of drag my feet on it as long as possible, like first week in January. Then when the Oscars come around, I will do an update. And I use yeah. the example: the year "Broke Back" was my number one film, and then I saw "The Three Burials of Machita Estrada," and that was my new number one. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I've had a change since the show, and it's in my top five. So we'll. <laughs>
0: very cool okay, okay very cool very number, cool
1: all right number ten, my number 10 is the northmen because i love viking hamlet with grunting and you know less farting than the lighthouse but you know if you if you want the lion king and you want hamlet with skin and blood and alexander Skarsgård and everybody just freezing their nuts off literally and figure except for nicole kitman and on your Taylor Joy, I mean, they're they're actually on location, none of the CG nonsense. They're out there just just whacking away with swords, and I loved every grunting minute of it. Number nine, Babylon. I don't care. It's a long hot mess. It's like Mar- the Margot Robbie's character of films, and uh, it's like taking the party scene from uh, Boogie Nights. And the great Gatsby and Damien just said, hold my beer and made a just obnoxious, wonderful mess that shows the uh, how the old school Hollywood has much changed in 2023. Just maybe less elephants and uh, and shitting. At this <laughs> party, but I, can't, I can't can't prove that. Number eight is my favorite documentary this last year. Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues um, of all the documentaries I watched this year. And this, this was a pretty good year. I learned more about Louis Armstrong and I got the blue show on the radio. And it was great to hear footage of him being way beyond just a symbol of music and a symbol of kind of the old school um, civil rights symbol. Um, Number seven is happening, which probably had the best slash worst timing of films uh, about a, about a French woman getting an abortion right after Roe v. Wade and showing how, yeah, it was the 1950s, if I remember correctly, and things haven't changed much then. So those are my, and then number six, uh, women talking. Really, there's been a lot of good films this year about that don't have a lot of "quote unquote" action. After Sun's another example of that, but this one is particularly. It helps when your women talking are Frances McDormand and uh, and Rooney Mara <laughs> and Claire Floyd. I mean, it's just you know, one of the best casts. All right.
0: My yeah. number five my oh, No, wait, no, 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 not. We're done. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm all
1: oh, there. I'm it. Joe, taxi. Joe, tag-tree.
0: Yeah. Well, before you go, Joe, I just want to say um I I hate that I never got a chance to see women talking. I literally had like no way of seeing it at the time. Um and that is one of my big regrets. Babylon just real quick was interesting because it came to Lafayette and it was only like the early time was when I was at work. And the late oh. time was whenever by the time it was done, it'd be like midnight. And I'm like, I'm not going like
1: <laughs> Wait, do, you have, do you have midnight screenings in Lafayette.
0: No, no, no. It starts like 910, oh, but yeah, it's three yeah, hours yeah. long. So it'd, yeah, be, like...
1: <laughs> it'd be like, no, I'd love to see a midnight screening of Babylon, except I, I'm wrecked for like the next three days.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I will say that the Northman was my number 11. I will say that it's like just off the list, but uh it's such a I, we just rewatched that actually just because i wanted to see if it would move anywhere on the list and it stayed right where it was but it was uh yeah it's a fun one
1: did you mentioned 11 and i talked that there was a change so sorry sorry to my Ty west double feature that was my
0: old number 10 so <laughs> all
2: right <laughs> that's awesome Thank God, we don't all have right to talk about those. shut the fuck <laughs> up joe you're wrong all right uh joe uh what about your 10 through six We'll, we'll, we'll speak about wrong in a little while. Let me tell you um, <laughs> my, uh, my number 10 is uh cha-cha real smooth uh, starring Cooper Rafe and Dakota Johnson, fun, little low key quasi kind of romance sort of thing uh, about a dude who is um, works at bar mitzvahs and he befriends a kid. And then his very uh, lovely and very sort of unavailable mother um very good very fun um just one of those low-key movies that you just kind of sit and watch and just chill about um you know it like you know like you said Matt earlier um there's not a whole lot of what we'd call action in that movie but it, it's just sort of a a, a small Delight and in, in night so I gave it my number 10 um move down to number nine the next movie is uh a little bit bigger Black Panther Wakanda forever shut up <laughs> it's it's not the token marvel movie in my top 10 um i really did love the way that they handled uh chadwick uh boseman's passing and and kind of had to pass that mantle i loved namor i love the way that they um y- you know he chadwick Bozeman kind of haunted the the entire film um just kind of did it for me um, i won't talk too much about it because you know you you either love it or hate it it's getting a lot of love um oscar time which i'm i'm uh, appreciative of um but um yeah I, I do have kind of a, a number of big and small movies mixed in here um so uh, I'm going a little smaller the, the next uh for my next pick and that's Vengeance uh starring directed by uh written by I believe BJ Novak of the office Fame um a fun little uh uh murder mystery kind of thing uh where uh, uh Novak's character uh, is a uh, a podcaster from New York and he has to travel to rural Texas to solve the, the murder of, of a girl uh, that he once hooked up with. And uh, he finds that things are and are not what they seem. And uh, it, it it's very fun, kind of has a great sense of humor. It's uh, uh, an- another kind of under the radar, but um, very available on Amazon Prime if you want to go check that out. Um, not that I'm stumping for it, but uh Yeah, so that's my number eight. Uh, Number seven, uh, I'm just bouncing back and forth. Glass Onion, a Knives Out. Is it a Knives Out story, a Knives Out movie? Knives Out mystery nerd. It's adapted adapted
1: from Knives Out, apparently.
2: (laughs) Right, (laughs) has something to do with Knives. Uh, You know, uh, I actually preferred this to the the original. Um, Has a very fun cast. Lots of people, of course, Daniel Craig returns. There's Edward Norton. There's Dave Bautista uh, for us wrestling fans. Um, there's who else is in that Ryan Johnson directed it and wrote it. Um, Catherine Hahn uh, Janelle Monet who was great Kate Hudson, Leslie Odom Jr uh just a, a lot of really fun. Dallas Roberts, one of my favorite that guys um is in it too so um you know you you probably know about this movie uh, if, if you're a movie person at all okay. um so yeah a, a lot of like fun low-key Mysteries uh this year, uh, which as I segue to my number six, Confess Fletch which is the movie that nobody really saw that they really should have um i, I called this uh an adults movie uh, an adults like action comedy not in that way but uh it, it you know john hamm takes over for uh for Chevy chase and uh, again just a movie that i just found to be delightful um just a lot of fun it's it's very kind of old fashioned almost a detective story um and it's just the kind of movie they don't make anymore and and i think a lot of people either ignored it completely never heard of it or uh watched it and it doesn't have a lot of big bombast and you know explosions and things and so um i think they kind of overlooked it um i had a great time with it and has my f- absolute there is a moment uh that john ham made me laugh for about 15 seconds without stopping wow. simply by saying jesus <laughs> Just <laughs> me the hell up. so uh yeah i confess fletch is my number six and i'm gonna stop there
0: all right all right that's yeah that's that's uh i i can tell you right now that we have no overlaps right now okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i have i can say i've got at least one with matt uh okay. so yeah so far that's well all.
0: okay yeah we'll see we'll see uh so uh my number so this is interesting uh my number 10 is not my actual number 10 um, it's actually number 22 but uh, 10 through 22 I swear almost all of those movies you could almost like on the day just move around that's a, and that, I feel that's, like
1: that's a good sign when your honorable mention could be yeah mm-hmm. it could be interchange I mean, I've had I've had the list like that where like yeah I could go depending on when it falls yeah. also,
2: also you're stupid that
0: doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the year 2022 was for me, where it's like I watched a lot of good movies. It's just a lot of them were. It's like just pick and choose a day. Uh, yeah,
1: if, if I may, because I know Austin loves my rant about lists. Um, and and now that's become the writing of the AV club. Now that they have a whole new crew, it's it's like and it's this is a this is not that, but we're talking about it as if it's like when somebody decides to rank all of the songs by the Beatles or all of the songs by the Rolling Stones, who's going to get in the fisticuffs between number 79 and number 78. And then there's like the Banshees of inner level. Hey, you know, I don't like you anymore. You're an (laughs) idiot. There's that. So that's why whenever those lists come up, I like to do just as a joke, Ron Carter studio recordings ranked Ron Carter is a jazz bassist and has over 2000 sessions, but you know, there's two jagoffs going to blows with fisticuffs between 1,863 and 1,862 Because you're an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about. No, you have the, you have the wide open bottom end there, Austin. Don't worry about that.
0: No, I know. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest, like uh, all of that, like, I, I I love my my uh like when I do lists usually those like top ones are usually pretty solid, like I feel pretty good, even though it ultimately is trivial. But this is very trivial. Like this number ten like this could be really anything. But I'll tell you the reason I chose this movie. It's called Strawberry Mansion. I don't know if anybody saw this one, but it is a really low key sci-fi movie, super low budget. Um, it was uh, directed by uh, Kentucker Oddly and Albert Birney. Uh, it's available on Mubi and Rent on Demand. Uh, we rented it. Uh, the way that it's described is it's essentially a $20 million movie that is made on a indie film budget. So this movie had like no budget, but it looks ama- like it, the idea is worth... It's like a $20 million idea. You know what I'm saying? And, and they make it awesome. So I it, this movie beat out all the others because it's like I just appreciate this more like it's genuinely so awesome uh, but it's like nothing I kept telling my buddy I watched it with I was like dude every like this pisses me off when I watch grad grad student movies now (laughs) like like why is this not the thing that people make because it's awesome
1: yeah the mid the mid level the mid budget movies of dead art unfortunately so the fact that you mentioned that because I I. You know, sometimes 10% of it is because of the star. And then you work around it and you do what you can. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the closest star that they have in this movie is uh, is uh, Reed Birney, and, uh, uh, which is a, a guy that you know when you see his face. But um, otherwise, like, you know, you it's, can tell it's low budget.
1: Yes. Is that, is that a star that you get like, you know, half a million dollars for three days or John Carradine? Who just shows up as two days for what have you and then goes away?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Strawberry Mansion. I encourage people to check it out just as like a fun experiment. There are people wearing like uh, animal masks in it, and it's about. I mean, the movie's awesome. It's about a, a, a company that does surveillance, and the state conducts uh, like dream audits. So this lady has just like uh, uh, shelves of VHSs that are all her dreams. And this guy starts getting obsessed with this woman's dreams. And it's like this interesting, weird sci-fi movie. They wear weird helmets and stuff. I mean, it's all but it's like you can tell it's like been made by hand, like like they've made these things out of passion, you know. Um, So it's great. Uh, my number nine kind of jumping around a bit like Joe, like the the big small movie thing. Uh, my number nine is Batman by Matt Reeves. Um, I just liked it. You know, <laughs> like I don't care. Uh, my, the biggest downside of Batman is to me is uh, how they use Catwoman. Um, I have no problem that Zoe Kravitz is in it or Catwoman, but I just felt like that's where it really kind of fell apart. But man, I'll tell you, I love Matt Reeves vision. Um, and it will inevitably be compared to Nolan's trilogy, but I just think it has its own place. Matt, what do you want to say? You no,
1: know, the biggest flaw with the Batman is no way Alfred lets a phone ring nine times before he picks up. Not a Anymore. chance. No <laughs> way. That's a problem. Everything else, I'm perfectly with it, although, you know, a bunch of people were electrocuted in an, in a flooded arena, but, but I guess like uh, Batman versus Superman or Superman, what was it? Superman versus Zod. We're not gonna. We're not gonna count the bodies on this one. It's okay. <laughs> Everything else perfectly fine. Pattinson went to the gym. That's fine. And I like Andy Circus and everybody involved. Sure, but uh, yeah, that's no way he's picking up that phone out late. He's not. He's not that lax of a of a butler. Come on. It's one thousand eight
0: hundred sixty-two, Matt. You're wrong. Oh my no, God. Um... Oh, he, his recording with Miles Davis was essential. <laughs> My number eight is uh, Marcel, the shell with shoes on, um, which I watched uh, on a plane on a flight back from Portland, Oregon, and uh, I watched it as something just to pass the time. Like I knew about it, but I didn't know much. Like I'd seen a trailer of it. Um, And then (laughs) it's just one of those stories that it just the film covers this subject matter we've seen a thousand times, but because it's essentially from the perspective of a kid and furthermore, like a random stop motion shell, uh, voiced by Jenny Slate, which is even better, uh, it changes the experience for me. Like it felt fresh, um, and it was interesting. Is that on someone else's list?
1: It is, but I want to, uh, but I'm gonna save that for later. But I do want to sure. ask you guys while we're here because that's an example of a little inside baseball for everybody listening. How often, guys. Do you get to revisit a film a second time, especially when we're at the end of the year when you're doing considerations of, I want to see that again. I want to make sure it had that same impact the first time around. For instance, and I, Joe, Joe, I think you're in the same, I think you're both in the same boat with me is, you know, we'll go see it together as a group. And then like my family will want to watch it. So I get to watch it the second time. And, and for me, it's a little bit of, Oh, it still holds up. Even with the, the first or second or third time around
0: yeah i was lucky enough to have uh, my oldest friend- we've been friends since we were twelve and he comes and visits me every once in a while and because of the pandemic i haven't seen him in three years so he came to visit me in uh, a few a couple weeks ago um and i was able to rewatch some of the big movies to confirm i wanted them kind of on the list and northman was one of them um and uh i got to watch a bunch of news we'll watch like twelve thirteen movies in like two or three days like like we're those guys like we it's just non-stop just movie 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 uh so i need to have him over more at the end of the year so i can actually get more stuff in you know <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh yeah so that's my that's my number six or uh, eight rather sorry eight um number seven is uh, the banshees of in by martin mcdonough um always of course uh a, a fun time whenever you get into a mcdonough film this is obviously the film that's uh starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Kerry Condon. It's on HBO Max if you want to check it out. Um, Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, me personally, I don't know if he'll top in Bruges anytime soon, but uh, here's the thing. A Martin McDonough film, even just a good Martin McDonough film, is still a great movie for anyone else, I feel like. I just think he just does really awesome work. So, Uh, This one was a lot of fun. And then my number six is Decision to Leave. This is the Park Chan-wook film. Um, It's about a seasoned detective who investigates the suspicious death of a man on a mountaintop. And then, uh, you know, eventually he begins to suspect the wife of the deceased while being unsettled by his attraction to her. Um, And and this film has been called Hitchcockian, which, I mean, what movie with any mystery isn't these days? However, uh, Decision to Leave is really cool because... Not only do I think it's super well written, um, and it has a ta- it's tastefully stylized. A lot of times Park Chan Wook goes really far with the style is stylizing, which I'm cool with. Um, but this one seems to have just really hit a solid balance with the stylized side, the story, performances, the music, uh, everything. So I was a huge fan. Uh, about that matt what's up
1: i also liked it also you can sound like a complete cinematic douchebag because you can say it's korean noir <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, don't you have any korean noir in your collection um,
0: i mean technically it's like the new south korean new wave but like what it no um, Yo,
1: uh, don't get racist <laughs> about the movies coming from asia oh my god jeez
0: oh my god All right. So uh, now we're in our top five here uh, and we're going to take a bit more time with these, I'm sure. Again, um, if we if we have one that's on another person's list, we'll wait until the last person says it. Um, But otherwise, we'll just uh, we'll get going with it. Uh, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Give me your number five.
1: Number five, my number five, because this is what I mentioned. I watched I finally got to watch this two weeks ago. And it cracked my top five and I'm really glad I did. And and Austin, we have talked about this, the work of this filmmaker. And, and anyway, my number five is the British drama Living. So another stellar adaptation of a Kurosawa film. Just So, so when you think of American, or in this case in English, I guess English language remakes of Kurosawa, we think The Magnificent Seven, we think Fistful of Dollars, But we don't really go into his drama, Kurosawa's dramas. And we do in this one Um, a a well deserved Oscar nomination for Bill Nighy, the great that guy, one of the Hall of Fame that guy who's now, we know his name. He's more than just the old pervert from Love Actually. (laughs) You know, it's. that's where a lot of audience American audiences know, but he is a, you know, he is the staunch English business guy in the fifties and everything is in its place and in its order. And then he finds out he's going to be dying in about six months. He has an incurable disease and he decides to live it up. Not in an American way. Although there is some drinking and music and, you know, he, he goes and has a dinner, you know, uh, an evening with a young woman, but not with bad intentions. And, uh, so the fact that I, when whenever I see a fine foreign film, I always pray, please don't remake this Hollywood. Please, you don't have to remake this film. You, can, this is fine in and of itself. But watching Living, and they 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 shoot it like a '50s British melodrama from Oliver Hermanus, who's the director, um, and you know what I mean by those, you know, heavy, a lot of stock footage of London and really orchestrated music from the '50s um enough that my wife will be in another room and she will yell you're watching something from the 50s (laughs) and and so so there's that aspect of it but also the fact that in the 1950s for the most of the world the U.S. was like this England was like this Japan was like this we just wanted to get back to what was considered normal life and for the Bill Nighy character it's putting on his suit and pushing papers and you know maybe it doesn't maybe the process doesn't move along, but the pushing of the papers does. And he's able to actually do something about that. Also the fact that nice character, he, he goes out and, and like leaves his work, doesn't tell anybody where he's going. And he has a, he has a, a, a bender on a seaside resort with a guy he just meets. And instead of the Oscar nominate, the Oscar begging speech, about why he should live and why, you know, make the most out of everything. Bill sings. There's a, there's a moment where Bill sings in a bar and it's absolutely heartbreaking. So, yeah, it it, it hit everything. And it's shorter than Ikuru, and Ikuru, which is the Kurosawa film this is based off of. Wonderful adaptation, and I'm going to butcher it, by uh, Kazuo Ishiguro, who's done a few uh, British films um but no it, it just it kind of hit me with all of the feels and and it's just as kind of a reminder that we should all live our lives as if you know we're going to be ending our lives very soon whether or not you look like the old pervert from love actually um <laughs> I, I i really really enjoyed living and i hope more people and this is one of course you know it got it got two nominations for the screenplay and for best actor and i hope this is one that gains a lot of audience because of curiosity's sake.
0: Yeah, I uh, so unfortunately I didn't get to this. Um <clears throat> I don't even know if it's available. I'll have to look to, I don't e- like last I looked it wasn't available, but it might be available now and I just wasn't paying attention. I hope
1: attention. so. I
0: hope um so. I'll have to I'll have to look, but uh the thing is though what I didn't know about it is that it is a readapt or an adaptation of Akira. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which would have immediately it.
0: bumped that up like way up oh, in my priority. <laughs>
1: I mean, like I said, because it's always the action stuff with Curacao, which is fine. But um, but even then, it, so the fact that we were able to still tell, tell the story there, there is a there's a subplot involving one of the guys that works under not Bill's character and a young girl, the uh, uh, the cutie from sex education. I don't have my IMDb list in front of me. I'm sorry for calling the established actress a cutie and. Um, but but there, and then there's this whole thing about that makes fun of the pushing of papers and nothing getting done. And he finally does this. I'm not really giving away a whole lot about having a park made. Something as simple as a park for other kids to play in. Not not to have a, a you know a plaque with his name on it, you know, or anything. I think that the, the most famous image of a guru is this kind of 50s Japanese businessman on a swing. And they do this yeah. here and it's absolutely lovely. And we're we're as old as these dudes are now. So go on a swing after this. Yeah. Go on a swing right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you While you're listening and sit on a swing. That's right. Yeah.
0: I think I think uh, Matt, I think well, this is definitely something you've said, but this sounds like a movie though, that is one of those watch it every five years and see how your life has taken you and see how you relate.
1: Well, first off, you're still living, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully you don't turn into the old guy in Ron, but you know. <laughs> but
2: no, Joe, right did you get that. a chance to see Living? I did not see Living. Yeah, but I, it, it, of course, I, I, I'm, you know, hearing the buzz like everyone else. So yeah, I ho- hopefully it, uh, it, it gains some traction and and we're able to get to it.
0: Yeah, I have to. I love Bill Nighy, so like that's. I mean, that was kind of a big selling point. It seemed like a, a nice vehicle for him. Uh, but now that I have the Akiru thing sounds perfect um yeah joe number five brother
2: yeah, my, my number five actually has a lot in common with living it, it's every bit is touching and um you know it, it it pulls all the right heartstrings and and uh it's yeah yeah and, and it's it's just just a profound film and that's uh weird the al yankovic story hey <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know anybody who knows me uh knows i've been a weird al yankovic fan since i was eight years old um i i've been through the the wars with him uh he was literally my favorite artist uh i interviewed him i you know i've I've watched his his uh, other movie uhf many many times um this this is a a movie based on a fake trailer from a a funny or die skit or is it funny or die or college humor one of the i think it's funny or die funny or die i think yeah um, and they and they got most of the same people. They got Daniel Radcliffe to play Weird Al, and uh, they they did not get Olivia Munn to play Madonna this time. They replaced her with uh, Evan Rachel Wood, um, but it it does what I I think this movie is what Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story wanted to be, which is a funny send up of uh, music you know musical artist biopics. Um, he hits all the beats that you know obvious of course if you watch this movie know that almost none of this stuff is true that it happens um, but it, it spoofs everything from you, you know the uh, uh, walk the line to uh, the I, Ray to I can't remember the uh, what's the 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 James Brown one that was uh, I almost called him Jim Brown <laughs> get on up um, minute, Joe I'm sorry to interrupt
1: what wars did you go to without Al?
2: <laughs> all what? of them we all were in of all them? of them together the, the mtv wars of the 80s the- oh, yes the mtv vh1 wars okay all right Sorry. high school and middle school so yes all of them <laughs> that's hilarious dude that's a
0: weird movie too
1: Dark arcade yeah. I mean <laughs> right. Royal yeah, War Rumble. games <laughs> yes.
0: the first the second the th- all of them <laughs> dude yeah I the weird out uh show like so uh, let me say this Weird is one of those movies where, um, if you, of course, it was by Funny or Die, like you said, it's not meant to be super accurate to his life at all. Like the whole idea, but I think sometimes biopics can be just as effective if they, uh, in if they are able to um, invoke the spirit of a person, yeah, right, uh, regardless. And I feel like that's something that Weird does, don't you think? Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I would say, I would argue as much as any biopic ever. Uh, you know that that you know is, is spotlighting a someone in the music industry. Yeah, it it just captures the spirit perfectly. Um none of the stuff that happens, uh, virtually none of it is true. Um including his his ongoing affair with Madonna and Wait, his drug does, problem.
1: Madonna get out of here. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> and, yeah the, there's there's a great send up of, of Boogie Nights where the he goes to a party and uh you know Pee Wee Herman is there and Uh, You know, there's just like all of these like 80s luminaries just kind of watching while he he kind of on the spot comes up with, uh, I believe it was another one rides the bus. Was it another one rides the bus that he kind of comes up with on the spot? Um, And it it was it is hilarious. Rain Wilson comes in playing Dr. Demento. Um, There's there's just a lot of really great comedians that come in kind of as a nod to to what Weird Al meant to them. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is in it as well, so you know the 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 stage crowd can can get behind that. Um, it, it's there's it's just it's just a fun movie all around. It's very funny, um, and and I th- this is kind of my unapologetic. I'm gonna put it in my top five because I'm gonna talk about it, damn it, and I'm gonna tell everybody to watch it. So um, go see it um, if you're a Weird Al fan, and if you're not, watch it and become one um, because he's still funny as hell. Um, it's one of the um, one of the things that um, cemented my uh, my current girlfriend's status with me is the fact that she loved Amish Paradise and she, <laughs> you know, she came at me with that one day and I was like, "I love you, let's get married."
1: <laughs> wow, uh, you know what? I'm glad. First off, I'm glad you mentioned walk hard because here's here's what walk hard and weird are now going to be. You know, I've I've said I'm stunned that because I think both films do eviscerate the music biopic, but they're still going to make them. There's the the Whitney Houston one is out now, and you know the trailers for what have you. So we we're the guys in the back. It's kind of like when you go see a, a a really like Blues Hammer from Ghost World, but you're you're up against the wall going. <laughs> You know that was originally recorded in 1932 by Sonny Boy Williamson. And you're, and you're and we'll be there. You know, Weird made fun of this. Uh, you know, back in 1989 with this song. And, 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 and you know, you, you the mall crowd will still go see the Whitney Houston biopic, but we'll be over here going, yeah. It's already been made fun of twice, and you're still going to it. I mean, whatever.
0: I have to say, I have never been prouder of anything on my podcast than you bringing up Blues Hammer from...
1: (laughs) Trust me with the Blue Show. So for those who don't know, the great Terry Zweigoff film Ghost World with uh, a young Scarlett Johansson and a young... um, Oh, God. um, Who is it?
2: Was it Thora Birch? Thora Birch, thank you.
1: Thora Birch. And and yeah, so anyway, that's another story for another. But Steve Buscemi is a collector of '78s because it's a Terry Zwigoff film, and and they go to see this acoustic blues guy who looks like David Honeyboy Edwards. You know, he's like eighty and in a suit with a guitar, and he's playing in an obnoxious ass sports bar opening for Blues with a Z. Blues Hammer, and <laughs> and I was like, "Good God!" and and it's in the soundtrack. I've never played. I don't think I played Blues Hammer on my show, but I played a lot of people that sound like him.
0: <laughs> it's it's the greatest. And what's so funny is my buddy I just said came up to visit a couple weeks ago. Uh, before he came up to visit, he was bringing something up, and he goes, "Dude, that reminds me of Blues Hammer." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> And he sent me that YouTube of the scene where because Steve Bashimmy's on a date and, yeah. and uh and Well they're he trying wanted, to find a girl for him and Well, they're trying to and this this I think it's one of the uh the bartenders or something, but but she walks over and uh he's talking up a storm about this eighty year old dude, and then she's like, Oh well, maybe you'll like Blue Sammers legit, they're awesome, and it's just like the worst thing. Ever. I'm, I'm
1: I'm gonna say those aren't my listeners. Um But my listeners know those those folks. But uh, but no, check out Ghost World. It's on Criterion. It's also a great film about. Well, it's funny. We're gonna because this is gonna be a subject. I'm sure it's gonna be brought up later. Is when a friendship just kind of wilts away for whatever reason.
0: There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I got you. (laughs) Um. All right. Uh. Well. Okay. So. Uh. Let's see uh matt's pick was living then we had uh, joe's pick for weird the al yankovic story my number five is uh koganada's after yang um i was a huge i didn't expect to like this movie as much as i did to be honest i watched it with a different buddy of mine and it's not that i didn't expect to like it but i never got a. I ch- i always forget about it A friend of the show, Sam Watermeyer, always reminds me of uh, Columbus, which I never saw the year it came out. And then Uh I just still haven't revisited it because I keep forgetting about it. And then, um, but Koganata did after Yang. And ever since I saw the trailer for this, because this came out early in the year. yeah. And I remember seeing the trailer and just being like, this is so awesome looking. And so, uh, yeah, after I started watching it, the first few minutes or so I was like oh now I get what kind of movie this is going to be because you feel that that you get that uh, coconut of pace you get the the vibe the tone and I'm like okay interesting this is not what I expected and by the end I was nearly in tears I just had so many feelings in my body um, because there is just so much about life and uh, you know reconnecting with loved ones and uh, you know Uh, understanding uh, your own life and others by the passing of someone else and the reevaluation of things. And it's just great, Matt. What's up?
1: No, I was going to, I was going to say this, this is a film that made my honorable mention. And that was another one where I, you know what, I probably, if I had probably watched this again in December, it probably would have moving up, moved up higher. But could you, could you share the, yeah. Could you share a little more of the plot for those who? Yeah. uh, Yeah.
0: I was going to give a brief synopsis here. It's on the Paramount Plus Or if somebody has Showtime through, like, Amazon or something, it's on there. Um, But After Yang is about an android named Yang who malfunctions, basically. And uh, Jake, the father played by Colin Farrell, searches for a way to repair him. And in the process, Jake discovers the life uh, that has been passing in front of him, reconnecting with his wife and daughter across a distance he didn't know was there also beautifully shot by cinematographer Benjamin Loeb, who also did Mandy, which Joe and I are huge fans of. I don't know if you're a huge fan, Matthew, but we are. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, so the visuals are gorgeous. I mean, it looks gorgeous. But the the film really is just about uh, Colin Farrell's Jake uh, trying to basically take this android to different people, including like black market people, basically, to get it fixed because this is his daughter's companion. It's like her older brother, but it's an android. And with them gone, Jake has to then the family has to basically reprogram because now they have to figure out how to raise the daughter because quite frankly Yang was kind of raising the kid, um, but also they have to learn how to kind of cope together now because they feel like they've actually lost a real person. There's just like a lot of heart and a lot of life there.
1: There's there's a lot, cer- certain folks could relate to, and I think all of us could relate. The three of us on this could relate to this. For instance when a pet dies um yeah. and, and then I, I i always use this example at least in my case um my my kid when they were young really loved on um oh god um there was a 24-hour sprout of uh, uh, pbs sprout pbs kid sprout and they had a show called the Goodnight show and it was the thing that was on from eight to midnight, and then they replayed it. But anyway, it was but it was like uh, the host. But what happens when they replace the host of a kid show? And I had to explain to my to my kid why Melanie isn't the host anymore. And I mean, but and that's kind of 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 loss to a certain degree. It's not death, but it is. But that thing of this is this this is a much bigger chunk of the kid's world than it is ours, and we try to do something, anything to comfort our kid to fix it in whatever whatever it takes. And it, it, this is like a 20, 21st ver- century version of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I say this a lot to friends, especially if they don't have children. And when I've talked about my daughter when she was younger or something, um, and they'll be like, well, why don't they do this? It's like, all right, hold on. Or or no, it'd be like this. It's like, yeah, and then I didn't, you know, she didn't get this toy she wanted and she started throwing a fit. And they're like, well, why don't you just tell them to, like, not worry about it or something? It's like, no, 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 no. This is all relative, right? So to them, not getting a toy at the store is like us not being able to pay our bills, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a stress level that's, like, relative here. So what you see in this is, like, the kid is freaking out, right? Like, the kid doesn't know how to process This loss Um, and what you have in the parents is them learning how to kind of they're relearning how to be together now in a different way they have that great opening credit sequence where they're all dancing and (laughs) like it's this really great kind of like moment that shows this kind of semi-family bond of sorts Um, but what's great is the film's also about the android has this these cameras in his eyes, so the whole idea is it'd be like if someone close to you died before their time, and you found their diary, essentially. Um, and so, but the thing is, these are short video clips they're able to pull from this android. So Jake, the Colin Farrell character, is trying to put these little mystery puzzle pieces together to figure out who was this guy. Like I thought he was just basically our babysitter, but in, now you realize. Wow, this was a full fledged person, and I just think, I mean, I, I've had family members that have died that I didn't know them from anyone else, and I just went to support the family members that I loved that were there, right? But then later, you might hear a story about that person, you're like that person did that, like really, and you just start to learn these cool things, and it starts to build them into a three dimension, like three dimensional person. Um, and I just love this movie. Yeah,
1: I want to. I want to pile on for a second and say you you talked about the tone and the style austin and it seems cold and and of a of a particular tone but it's not the same tone and color as the killing of a sacred deer am i right austin (laughs) because we made fun of the way people in the killing of a sacred deer talked Because it's slightly less lively than The Lobster,
2: right, guys? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say another Colin Farrell movie, The Lobster. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: We lost our AI. We need a
0: new one. (laughs) You know what, though? This has been a a good year for Colin Farrell, though, I think. Dude, regardless of what's that? Thank God he deserves it. I mean, you know, he and he
1: knows he played, you know, Irish bad boy actor for a while and did crap and did crap for money. And he knows he did it. And uh, yeah, good year for him. Good.
0: Regardless of how people feel about Batman, he disappeared into the Penguin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have never knew that dude was the guy if I didn't know he was in the film being that person. Then Banshees of an which has already been on my list. That's three, three movies. Colin Farrell made yeah. my top 10. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> anyways, alright, uh, so uh, I thought someone was going to talk there, but we'll move on. Uh, so, uh, we're at number four. Matt, why don't you go ahead and give us your number four, man?
1: Well, then you just edit that tightly because my number four is Banshees of So There you go. Alright, um, great. Let's talk about it. I Yeah, Martin McDonough. I mean, it's... it's I, I remember describing um, three billboards which i i dubbed the best film of that year is operatic when it comes to its sto- its storytelling and tone and heightened emotions and this is like this is this is also operatic but not as ball caps as three billboards i know that's a polarizing film I'm hoping this one is not as polarizing and we mentioned you know I mentioned uh, ghost world earlier but i mean just the extreme example of what happens when your best buddy says yeah I'm done I'm, yeah I'm, and then nah you don't mean that and then a finger shows up and says yeah i am and and <laughs> how do you deal with that and how and it, and it affects everybody in this small irish coastal town and uh, i was like holy shit i mean this is this is a you know it's like a high school reunion gone horribly wrong but uh, but no, everybody in it is really, really good. And I know, yeah, Colin Farrell got one, but I'm really glad the supporting cast got recognition as well. And uh, and if, if more people see three billboards and especially in Bruges because of this film, you know, I'm down with that. And yeah, it's it's a height for for Colin Farrell because we love to see him kind of play schlubby, schmucky guys. I mean, he's he's a hothead in Bruges and he knows he's a knucklehead. And and this one it's it's more of a hurt puppy.
0: Yeah. Also oh. another not.
1: And just he just wants to drink with his pal, but doesn't doesn't quite get it. It's you know, I think there there was there was a series of, of sitcoms over the years where, you know, Uh, And I think the first one that comes to mind is Home Improvement. Yes, I'm bringing Home Improvement and Banshee's Finisher into the conversation. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) But it's, it's Tim Allen and his old college drinking buddy, Christopher McDonald hall of fame, that guy, Christopher McDonald and Tim's life, you know, Tim's, Tim's life isn't like that anymore. And he's still, you know, his buddy's still, you know, down in a 12 pack every night. And it was like, I can't do that anymore. So anyway, just the, the whole breaking of a friendship or at least a, being able to adjust to a friendship. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really cringe, which is what Martin does really, really well. But God yeah. damn, it's fun to watch.
0: It is. It is. And, and my favorite thing personally is just, and I, I mean, this is a huge part of the movie. One, the uh, Colin Farrell as sad puppy. That is the best way to put it. I think it is spot on. And I can relate to his tactics to try to get, I mean, minus like the burning down of buildings and stuff, but I mean, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but like th- just the idea of like, That's if I don't understand this
1: love, has there
0: been a burning of,
1: of, stru- of a structure for somebody's <laughs> affection?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I love the relationship between, uh, Podrick, which is Farrell's character and Gleason's character, Colum, uh, Podrick and Col like just, they're so great, but we never see them as friends, of course, like the very beginning, uh, like when we first see them together, they're not. And, but it's just endlessly amusing to me. Uh, but the film also is able to use the exaggerated tactics that it uses, whether it be with the uh, emotions or the, the just the story in general. You know, it uses those exaggerated aspects to tell the story about friendship, you know, what it means to be friends, what it means to live life, the links to which we'll protect the life we want and so on. Uh, but it does it in an exaggerated way, which almost forces you to step back and see the truth behind it. Cause even though it is very exaggerated, I think there's a lot of truth that if you want to think about, you can almost relate to uh, maybe not on this exact level. Like if I didn't want to be friends with someone, I probably wouldn't cut my finger off, but you get
2: the point. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, Joe, did you see this one? No, Banshees is one that I, that I missed. So um, yeah, I, I was disappointed. This is my this is kind of my disappointment of the year because, yeah, Brendan Gleeson and, and Colin Farrell together are just magic, as you know, uh, as we have already discussed within Bruges and um yeah, I I and I and I love Brendan Gleeson in general. He's really yeah, the guy. He's so yeah, he's really someone who just is sort of unheralded. He did an amazing Trump uh, last year, the year before, um, which is. No reason why Brendan Gleason should be able to do Donald Trump, um, but he did fantastic job in the uh, HBO miniseries. Um, but yeah, but no, no, I missed it, and and uh, th- this is my shame of the year uh, that I didn't get to see it.
1: No, yeah. and, and shame, and, and also, yeah, shame on you, you second dog, whatever. We <laughs> all have shames It just no. haven't been brought up in this recording. Yeah. But no, but that's. But I think also the fact that we have a contrast to their pairing in, in Bruges. You know, there's there's all there's a weird part of me. I'm like, I I want them to work together again, you know, because we haven't had I'm sure there are there are much bigger pairings, whether it's Julia and George or Robert and Joe for you Scorsese fans out there. You know, those are the sort of things. I'd love to see what they could do next. They could they
0: could do the hope. They could do the road pictures with some version of Dorothy
1: L'Amour. I'm down for
0: that. I just want to see them in a movie together where they're both actually friends. Uh, but they're they just they just annoy the fuck out of each other still. So they just like petty argue the whole time. But they're like there's like a deep bond. You know what I'm saying? I
1: was (laughs) gonna see
2: them remake Midnight Run. That's what I want. Oh,
1: that's pretty good. (laughs) No, it's funny. Also, I was was mentioned you were talking earlier about the friendship of you know an American an American version of this would be Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider, and a finger would be cut off by mistake, and that would add to the problem. (laughs) And and you know I don't want to be. So let's just have let's just have Brendan and Colin go and beat the shit out of uh, out of Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider in a movie. And it could be, you know, Adam, yeah. McKin, Martin McDonough, co-production. And, and there you go. Well,
0: Martin you know? McDonough can write it and then the Safty brothers can film there it.
1: He, that's <laughs> even better. Yeah. Cool. <laughs>
0: We'll get we'll get <laughs> good, good Sandler, you know what I mean. Everyone's happy, and
1: it'll, it'll um, be Ireland. So it'll, for Adam, it'll be like a vacation on film. You know, that's whatever. Yeah.
0: Rob Schneider will do his best Irish accent.
1: Um, they <laughs> the for it. Three, he'll have like three seconds of, of screen time, and yeah, it'll be over.
0: Yeah, no, but uh, I think the Banshees of Inisherin is a great choice. Of course, I'm a huge fan, Joe. Now we're to you though. What is your number? What was yeah, it for? yeah.
2: Um uh, again with with uh slightly eclectic type films, uh, maybe for a top ten. Uh this is my favorite scary movie of the year. Uh, and that's uh uh written, oddly written and directed by the guy best known for that really stupid Playboy Bunny movie years ago, Zach Cregger. A movie this movie's barbarian. Um the just this is the only movie, the only horror movie of the year that that made me squirm, um, in you know in any sort of way, and uh, you know if, if you don't know Barbarian, this is a movie that you need to know as little as possible about, um, but um, I'll I'll give you just the the briefest of the of setups is that um a, a young woman uh, has an Airbnb rental that she um is going to, if she gets there late, it's it's raining and it's you know one in the morning, and she shows up and there's a man already in the the Airbnb, um, who uh looks exactly like Pennywise the Clown. Uh that's because he's played by Bill Skarsgard, who played <laughs> Pennywise the Clown in the in uh in uh the the it, it film a couple of years ago. And uh that is uh just as good a setup as I can as I can say. The movie goes off in about five different, just totally batshit bonkers ways. Um it's like I said, it's it's like legit scary. It's got a fun backstory to it um, that they don't fully flesh out, but they, they give you a bunch of hints that there certainly is um, some sort of uh, pretty intricate uh, uh, backstory as to what's going on at this house. And um, it is, like I said, it's scary and intense and it's sadly touching in a couple of ways. Um, it's just a fun time. Um, it it's the the kind of movie that in years past we would have seen in the theaters and just had a great time with it. Um, instead, we are watching it on, I believe, HBO Max is where I saw it. I actually watched it at uh, about four o'clock in the morning um, one day, and I was just like, this is a delight. I'm having a good time. I uh, <laughs> love this movie. Uh, so putting it at number four. Yeah, go ahead, Matt.
1: No, this is this is my shame. I I don't have. By the way, batshit bonkers is one of my favorite sections of the imaginary video store.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have. Um, I like yeah. something
1: new from the batship
2: bonkers section, please. <laughs> Does
1: the four, is is the four a.m. screening required? And should there be P beer and pizza involved?
2: It certainly helps. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, th- this is a movie where uh, you know it's one of those movies where things happen that you don't expect. People that, you know, certain people show up and you you have certain preconceived notions and maybe they live up to them. Maybe they don't. Maybe they want you to think they're they're good, but they're not. There's a lot of kind of, I don't want to say shifting loyalties, but there's a little bit of a kind of back and forth there. So I'm going
1: to, I'll ask for the audience, more shifting than say hereditary?
2: <laughs> not quite the same shifting, uh, but I, I would just say, I would just say, by the end of the movie the movie ended this is what i said to myself that's not the way i thought that would happen yeah <laughs> just that that's just the whole movie uh from, yeah. from start to finish yeah yeah i i was
0: uh, i was happy to see this uh with my wife she loves horror movies especially the gorier the better like she's very into like human centipede like she doesn't give a fuck okay she's like gross <laughs> Keep, Bring all it. right wait so, a
1: minute wait a minute how far in the relationship did y'all get to the human centipede
0: uh the first christmas we had she had a human centipede uh oh, ugly sweater <laughs> <my God. laughs> oh. but anyways um, no we saw barbarian in theaters and uh because i had it was starting to get a little bit of buzz because it had just come out and people were kind of talking about it for better or for worse mm-hmm. and so we were like there's nothing else right now in the theater you just want to go see this horror movie and she was like yeah so we went and watched it and yeah the first 30 minutes or so like that first act mm-hmm. i'm like what the fuck is this movie like I had, i couldn't figure it out and then it's just like it, it's like a video game and it's like you unlock a door and now there's so much more yes. and then you unlock a door and there's so much more. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it just takes a while to unlock those doors and then you get in. I had a little bit of a hang up with the Justin Long character. I'll just say that. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's
0: a weird one for me to, if I don't think about it, yeah, this movie fucking rules. Yeah, he's, <laughs> man, he's a colossal douchebag. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's I it's like it's like um like kind of like fundamental issues with this character, like yes. not just yes. for obvious reasons, but like even just I like Justin Long as an actor, but I mean just the character, it feels weird in the movie. That's all I'll say for me. But yeah. I'll tell you this, man, barbaric.
1: Is, is the Justin Long character treatment better or worse than Tusk?
0: <laughs> well, I
2: would um, say better.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's just inherently better just because of the the type of uh, the I don't know, I'm trying to be vague, but the point is Barbarian, uh, it does certain things super right, you know, um, and I think the way that it does certain scares like part of me wishes certain parts were better, at least in my mind. Mm-hmm. But man, it does certain horror things so well that I wish so many I wish that was the status quo of horror. You know, what I mean, like like every horror should be at least this good. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I was a fan. Matt, what's up?
1: I want to ask you guys, because um, horror is not one of my favorite genres. And, and although, I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I put the Ty West double feature on my top ten and it kind of eked out. I, how has this year been for horror? Because I've, I've read a couple articles and I've had folks say, I've read a couple articles saying this this was an exceptional year for horror films. Is that true?
0: I would like to butt in real quick, and then, Joe, I'll let you do it if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Honestly, you'll probably have more to say than me, maybe. Um, But uh, let me just say this. On my list right now, and Joe's going to – well, no, actually, that's not right. That's not right. The the lowest one I have, which is second to last on my ranked list that I keep throughout the year, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) That was the worst. But you know what, though? I didn't suffer through it. It was just really bad. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of years, I suffer through so many horror movies, and then occasionally you'll get one. Uh, uh, Smile, super low on my list. I know Joe really liked it. We might hear about it at some point. I don't know. Um, But it was still a good watch like, yeah <laughs> Joe just turned his camera off he's so mad but it- <laughs> Christ,
1: it's like I'm friended holy Joe where are you that's
0: a bandwidth move not yeah. no 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 I know <sighs> I'm just I'm fucking with you Jeez. no but like even smile was like like I may not think it's like a great movie but I didn't have a bad time watching it and I would say even all the movies I think are mediocre to like not really good I had at least a decent time sitting through them to the extent of then you get into silly stuff like Bodies, 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 which I had a great time with. Uh, I like Nope a lot. And X is actually my number 13. So uh, I loved X. So I think, I mean, I don't know what kind of, I, I'm like you, Matt. It's not necessarily my favorite genre, um, but I love a good horror movie. Joe, you are you see way more horror than me, I feel like, in general. Do you feel
2: like it's been better? I, I don't know. I, I feel like it was maybe just an average year. Um, okay. This is the, be- this is certainly the best one for me. Um, I did not like X. I did not like black phone, which a lot of people um, spoke very highly of. Um, I, I thought, I mean, bodies, bodies, bodies is, is comedy ish, but it, I didn't love it either. We talked about um, Hellraiser last year, Austin, you and I did. Yeah. Um, and I I didn't love that. But um um, and then of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it was one of my worst movies of the year, <laughs> Yeah, me um, too. which there were others who really liked it. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it has a, a fan base. Um, there was Terrifier 2, which was very like weird and got a lot of like mainstream press, not a great movie, but I think it, I think that, you know, it, it got attention for being super gory, but it almost told a good story. Um, and then it kind of just was like, ah, eh, screw it. Um, and, and then you got stuff like Master, um, which is uh, Regina Hall, which is, um, you know, which was okay. But, uh, you know, but you mentioned Smile. I love Smile. There's a movie called Deadstream that I really enjoyed um, that was on Shudder. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would call it kind of average. There was Prey, if you want to call it that, a horror film. Um, it, it's that sort of action-y. Uh, more than horror, but um, um, there's one um, another one that sorry I'll bring up. Of course, Halloween Ends, which I was a fan of, um, and then uh, there's one called Watcher that uh, uh, Micah Monroe was in. That's sort of uh, under the radar that I, that I enjoyed. So I, I don't know. I'd I'd call it I'd call it sort of average. Okay. Um, or, yeah. You know, it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't especially love. Um, if, if I'm doing like a top five, I wouldn't say I especially love them. But also, there there's some pretty nice gems in here too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're like I was just looking through my list while you were talking, and I think there are only two horror movies that I'd be like excited to watch again. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like like the others were like fun to see. I didn't like hate anything I saw. Granted, there's still a lot that I didn't see. Yeah. Um but yeah, even a movie like Fresh, which I saw, I didn't hate watching it. Like it was
2: fine. Yeah. There's <laughs> you one know? called Run Sweetheart Run, that's that's pretty fun. Um, also, um, that's, that's kind of, that's almost maybe like an honorable mention type, um, horror movie to me, but, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, I, I just, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of those that are, are decent to strong that are under the radar, but I, I think in terms of like high profile, it's maybe just average. Yeah. Well, very hey. cool. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So that's your number four. Uh, let me make sure I wrote that down. I'm trying to keep track of all them. Barbarian. Yeah. That too. yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I hope you guys saw my number four. I'm assuming you did. It's streaming on Netflix, directed by Edward Berger. And if you want to go, uh, uh one way ticket to Bumerville, as everyone knows, I like to uh, visit on a frequent, regular basis. Um, all quiet on the Western Front from 2022. Uh, I really love this, and I all I'm gonna I'm gonna say a few things, and then I'll see what you guys thought. Uh, If you saw it, but in the variety review for the 1930 version, okay, the original uh, adaptation of the book, it was written all quite on the Western front cost universal one point two million dollars, which for 1930 folks, that was a lot of money. The League of Nations could make no better investment than to buy a master print, reproduce it in every language for every nation to be shown every year until the word war shall have been taken out of the dictionaries. That is what this movie is. (laughs) Uh, It is. um, It's probably like the most anti-war film I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, And uh, not necessarily in theory, but, uh, you know, as an experience, like 30 minutes into this movie, I felt like I'd already seen a whole arc. And I was like, fuck, man, that's fucked up. And then and then little did I know I have two hours left. (laughs) and I'm like, holy shit, what are they even going to do? And it just keeps driving further to Bummerville, you know, 30, 30 miles left, 15 miles left until the end. There's a scene comparable to the scene in uh, with Adam Goldberg and Saving Private Ryan where he gets the slow knife through the heart. And there's a scene very similar to that in here where you have arrived to Bummerville if you hadn't already. Uh, You got here. Express train straight there. Uh, I love how simple this is, but also I think like it goes so far that I think it forces us to confront the fact uh, that war is fucked up. And should we really be sending people into the shit? (laughs) What do you guys think, Matt?
1: I you know what I gotta add that to my list. Um uh, by the way, when you when you arrive in Bummerville, you're immediately handed the Ingmar Bergman box set from Criterion.
0: Yep, yep. It is free go, of charge. Yeah.
1: Sorry, go through that. <laughs> No, this is one, and I have to admit, um, I, I think I missed obviously I missed press screening for it. And I know there's like how many versions of this? You said the 30s version, there's the one that John Huston directed. There's 70s, the, yeah. There was one for television that Richard Thomas starred in. And so when I heard that they were making another one, I'm like, um, okay. And then, yeah, it, then it got there. Like, yeah. it was. They were putting it in the same, uh, same level as saving private Ryan. So no, that's, that's on the list. And the fact that it
0: got some yeah.
1: recognition at the Academy award nominations, it'll, it'll get, it'll get more eyes. will be watching this film. Yeah. And, and I think, for me.
0: yeah, I think I'll just say this. And then Joe, I'm curious what you thought, but, um, I'll say this. I I was watching this, and if you remember, and you've likely forgotten that my, I believe it was my number eight or seven, the very first year we did this, which was, I think, twenty twenty for the 2020 movies, um, I think I did The Painted Bird, if we remember. It was really low on the list, but I did it. Uh, this movie does what The Painted Bird does in terms of, like, the little boy just keeps going through more fucked up shit, like, throughout the movie, and that is the, like, Felix Kammer's Uh, character in this the main uh, boy like the main soldier it's just more and more and more to the point of like hyperbole but like I said all that did though was I was sitting there with my friend and sometimes we'd kind of talk through some of the scenes because I'd be like dude how fucked up would this be if if you had to live through this (laughs) you know like or like do you think it'd really be this way and it was just it was making me think and I think that's like uh, kind of a telltale sign for me that Okay, I'm kind of chewing on something with this one. Like, I want to think about this. Like, what what is happening here? And I had a great. I, I mean, it's a. It is. Uh, did you, una- did you almost said you had a great time watching. Yeah, yeah. It is, Front. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: it is. Front. Uh huh.
0: It is 100 percent a bummer, but I had a great time. <laughs> You were know, so making right out to, during Schindler's List. Yeah,
2: right, yeah, right next yeah. to
1: Batshit Bonkers at the imaginary video store is also just a quote, dude, this is fucked
0: up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the dude, this is fucked up room that stays locked. Yeah. Um,
2: Joe, uh, did you see this movie? And if so, what'd you think? Yeah, I did see this. And and this, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna say this. I I feel like there's a little bit of war movie fatigue, and I think this movie was a victim of that. Um, I, I was not particularly looking forward to watching it it you know it's it's a long movie um and you know a, a long warm long depressing war movie i was just kind of like Ugh. and i watched it and you know and it, it was doing some um some uh, um weird there will be blood type musical cues that that really just bugged the hell out of me um but you know you go it, it but this movie snuck up on me you know it it was that i found that soundtrack really grating and really annoying and i was like jesus this movie and then it just went along and went along and just grabbed a hold of me. And yeah, and you're, and you're right off. And that last scene is, is just intense. And it, it you know, it, it's just, it's one of those scenes where you can just watch it and just, you know, you just burst into tears. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's touching and, and, in so many ways. And yeah, and that, in that, you know, war is terrible uh, sort of way. Uh, like you said Bummerville is, is right it, it ended up number 14 for me so i you know i'll, I'll yeah. say I, I did i did like it quite a bit um but yeah i i just think that there's just been so many war movies that it just got it it's just it's unfairly um discounted because of that
0: yeah i think uh, i just want to say this too <clears throat> uh for fa- what i love is edward berger clearly has done his homework he's watched a lot of war films paths of Glory is all over this um, yeah. like you have obviously the original All Quiet on the western front but there's uh, I mean you get some full metal jacket in there you get uh, I mean I, I could just continue listing. of course we talked about Saving Private Ryan he clearly knows it all and he somehow by the end creates his own thing Um, but you do it does almost appear like something you've seen at the beginning and Joe I gotta agree with you man D- I mean despite this making number four I I like I said, I got 30 minutes into it. And I was I was really into I was invested in that 30 minutes. And then after that, I was like, what does this even do now? Like, it's already been so emotionally taxing yeah. by 30 minutes in or 40 minutes or whatever. Like, what's, what's going to happen? And honestly, like, my buddy and I almost laughed, like, an, an hour later or so because some of the stuff was so intense. I'll just say there's a scene with a fork and a neck. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And... uh <laughs> <laughs> and and we we almost laughed. It was so like, it was like hyperbole. That's the only word I have. Like it was exaggerated. But then it all there's a point where, much like in in um, Paths of Glory, there is an an officer like a like a colonel or whoever that forces the men, despite their expectations, forces them to do something they shouldn't. And uh, that's whenever all that hyperbole goes, and you get sucked back in. You're like fuck like I thought this was all just crazy but now it's real like that that's my experience at least like it was that moment that almost retroactively made all of those scenes that seemed hyperbolic just that much more powerful I actually really loved this movie
1: kind of like what Joker had to do at the end of Full Metal Jacket yeah yeah
2: yes absolutely
0: so I'm gonna pass it off to you uh, Matt for number threes okay all
1: right number three um this is where uh, we start to get into what I like to call complex inno-
0: uh, innocence,
1: and this was uh, one of the examples of that. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio. The dueling asteroid movies, dueling wider movies that nobody will be talking about years from now. Um, you know, Guillermo del Toro has a way of taking any story, any genre, whether you like it or not, and putting his own twist on it, and to have Pinocchio set during the bombing of uh, fascist Italy and then still making it about a boy, uh, a puppet who wants to be a real boy and uh, still make it extremely moving. This is the man that, you know, made us move, hopefully made you move over a deaf mute girl and a fish who was a ball state graduate. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, and in this case he made the old guy, you know, the the voice of Geppetto is uh, that guy, David Bradley, who I always remember as, Jim Broadbent's brother from Mike Lee's another year, and hopefully more, <laughs> more folks in the States will notice him. And, you know, you have the great voices of, of Ewan McGregor and, and Christoph Waltz and Tilda Swinton. And uh, you can have really lovely animation and it can still have some dark elements, but not messed up, fucked up elements. And uh, I can't remember the last time I watched Pinocchio because... It was never in my kid's wheelhouse. And I think I missed the, every seven years it was, you know, shown in theaters because of Disney and we didn't watch the, the kid from home improvement version. So it just really resonated with me and really, really enjoyed what, uh, you know, again, he went from, you know, romance to horror romance, to noir, to a kid story told Tel Toro's way. And I thoroughly enjoyed
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's one of those that you kind of know what you're getting. Um, I, you know, I I wouldn't I wasn't that high on it to to put it up this high, but um, it it I did enjoy uh, I did enjoy it quite a bit. I I love the way that he made you know he uh, you know Del Toro made uh, Pinocchio very like tree like and yeah you know, as opposed to you know. Disnifying him. He he kind of like anti-Disney fied him. So yeah. Um, yeah, it 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 certainly is is a, a good take. And yeah, and like you said, in a year, not as good as the Roberto Benini version, but it is as better than the Semekus.
1: you you know we we your your screen's not on, so we can't see if you're saying that with a straight face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just
1: know I Joe's
0: muting you. himself talking so much shit while we do our picks and then he drops a bomb like that. Come on. <laughs> um, no, I, I have to say with, with uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, that's one that uh, my wife saw a trailer for. And she's like, if you watch this, like, I wanna, I want to see this. Like, this looks awesome. And so it was that thing that you mentioned earlier, Matt, where it's like, you know, you watch a screener or something and then like you have to watch. Well, I was trying to avoid that. Yeah. So I just, we never got to it. So ah. that is one I unfortunately because that I was way up on my priority list like I really wanted to see it but I was trying to be a good husband yep. <laughs> and I was trying I was to, to, to watch do. it with my wife but we just never found that time uh, to do that unfortunately because uh, I, I, I'm I'm excited to see it I I'm so, some people didn't like that he did make it so like oh this is about like real history and war and it's about this bombing I think that shit's awesome. Like, change it up. We've seen Pinocchio a million times. Fuck it. Like, whatever. Yeah. Show us something with, like, your own stamp on it. And even if it's bad, I appreciate that you at least tried. So um, I I'm excited to see it. I think it sounds. Every time people even complain about it, it makes me more excited to see it because I'm like, I think that sounds awesome.
1: Oh, thank God, Joe, you're okay.
0: (laughs) I'm alive. My video.
1: You have been sucked into the dark web of unfriended. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving another
2: chance and see if my my uh, everything starts slowing down again. But no, um, uh, yeah, I did like the you know the real emotion there of of the beginning where you know you you see because you know these days people make weird jokes about, you know, Geppetto making himself a little wooden boy to be his companion. And here you see, you know, it is indeed based on some, some, you know, some grief and some dark feeling, but it's, you know, the the death of his own son at the very beginning, um, you know, where he's, he's sort of replacing his son and it's, it's pretty touching. And, you know, it, it, it gives a nice little baseline to it, as opposed to just this random weird old man you know, yep. little boys out of wood for their own amusement. So, uh, you, you know, that's
1: this this was a throwback. I, I I, don't know if I've told this on this story uh, on the show here, but, you know, as a kid in the 70s. Bizarre time for animation because Disney was kind of at a creative low point. And I remember before HBO, at least in in my neck of the woods up in Michigan, we had something called Channel 100. And, you know, if it was animated, regardless of the content, they just threw it on. So as a kid, you know, with like five, six, seven, to see Fantastic Planet and Watership Down and the mouse and his child and and Raggedy Ann and Andy, which is still, I mean, it's about toys, but it's still pretty dark. Um, I mean,
0: Watershed Down is about uh, rabbits and it's dark. It's
1: bunnies. (laughs) Yeah, so... And, and this is kind of a throwback to that, where, which I'm sure, is, I'm, I'm hoping now some five year olds watching this go, dude, this is fucked up. And then they'll realize, oh, well, I remember growing up oh, and I, I, I did okay. I'm sorry, I survived Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and look how I turned out. So fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a great choice, though I haven't seen it. I, I'm anticipating it uh, maybe being on a list if I were to do what you do, Matt, and, and reevaluate my list come. Oscar time, which is always a great idea, but I always get really stubborn and just start the next year's movies and rarely go back, but I some of these I need to go back to because I just missed some big ones that I just didn't have an opportunity to see, but that's definitely one. Uh as far as number 3s go, Joe, what's
2: your number 3? Yeah, yeah, and, and here I'm I'm finally going to get a little bit serious and uh you know, give you guys something uh, a legit Oscar bait kind of important movie, and that's uh Women Talking. Um, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> There you go. Um, yeah, just a, just a, a gut wrenching sort of movie. Um, it, you know, the, this is a thing that I, you know, I like to, you know, I like to talk about, you know, the last 15 or 20 years for me sort of being uh, an awakening in terms of societally, how women are treated. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of people have gone through that. Um, obviously, you know, society is shifting. Mm-hmm and of course from a certain segment of the population there's a lot of resistance to it but you know films like this are are ones are films that can really um kind of shed light on on these sorts of things so the the uh the you know the the plot in a kind of a, in a brief way is you know there's a, a group of women who live in this isolated sort of religious community sort of a a, a cult almost and um the, the women are being victimized, sort of repeatedly, perpetually by by the men that they that they're with, and you know they're being raped and you know assaulted
1: by me. Is it also the locals as well?
2: The locals as well. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. That's and kind of a... a sort of like there's a sort of free reign. It's open season on anybody who wants to sexually assault these women. Uh, you know, and and of all ages uh, are you know women of all ages are are being uh, abused sort of perpetually. And it's them. It's essentially a, a 12 angry men with with a, a very decided feminist kind of slant. You know, this is all women uh, except for one. Um, and, uh, you know, they they have an ally, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's it's them getting together and debating what they should do. And, you know, some of them are like, let's just kill them all. Some of them are like, let's leave and go off on our own. And, and there's just all of these questions and there's there's loyalties some of the women are, are very oddly still loyal to the men. And they're like, the men are going to still protect us. And, you know, and other women are like to hell with that. We're going to go off on our, own. there's just, there's so much kind of going on within the context of uh, a bunch of women sitting around arguing in a barn. Um, and it's, it's just fantastic. Sarah Polly directs it, um, you know, and, and she's done, uh, she also wrote, uh, co-wrote the screenplay and and she's, you know, she's kind of building quite the career. Um, and you know, we, you, uh, Matt, you mentioned, you know, the cast Rooney Mara and Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley, Francis McDormand, there's just a, a lot of really strong actors here. And, uh, and man, this is one of those ones where they're, they're showing it all off and, and, uh, to great effect. And let's Ben Wishlaw
1: as one of the decent ones yes. the ones, but, yep. but it's funny you mentioned that. Could you imagine 30 years ago, pitching this to a studio
2: oh man there's no way yeah
1: years and years ago my kid when i was directing uh, a stage version of born yesterday had created the genre men in suits talking and (laughs) then it's funny because you because because really 12 angry men is one of the greatest men in suits stuff but this is one of those just like this is folks talking and it's not there and there there really is no here's the thing if if you were to pull a clip like if let's say one of the actors got a, let's say Claire Foy got a nomination. If there's, there's no Oscar scene, there's no Oscar moment when mm-hmm. it comes to the conversation. Yes. It's just very intense, natural. Wow. I mean, we, yeah. we, try you know, the whole point of acting is you, you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse, and then you perform it on stage or in front of a camera as if it's happening for the very first time and and women talking is all over that everybody who's a who has any creativity in their in their bones should watch this because this is how it's done
2: yeah yeah Yeah. and and very play-like in in how it's how it is uh portrayed also yeah like like you said the the settings are very few um you know there it's you know there's there's some a little bit of back and forth in in various places but it's it's uh you know the majority of the action takes place just in this barn as they're sitting around that you know it's it is one of those like acting master class sort of films where you're just watching and not and not in a showy way like you know to your point oh. not not in this showy way where you know where it's just like so impassioned and you know it it feels very real and naturalistic and and it's it, yeah like you said essentially just just women becoming some other people and and uh you know, caring about what's happening to them and it, it's yeah it's fantastic there's i mean this you could have this on a double feature with after
1: sun that's another one that's extremely natural and 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 to the point that it it irritated some people because they feel like there's no action going on you just don't know how to, you just don't know how to listen or watch a film apparently
0: <laughs> that's funny uh <laughs> no um uh, i just want to say uh because this is one of my biggest regrets not having an opportunity i just there was nowhere for me to see it. I didn't have a screener. Like this was just I just didn't have a chance because um, I want this was way up on my list of priorities because at, at first I was like, OK, Sarah Polly movie, that's cool. And then I just started hearing more and more and more about it. And the things I was hearing are things that really kind of ping my radar. Ouch. It just hit my desk for no reason by accident. Um, but anyways, the first film I'd ever seen Sarah Polly and she didn't direct it but it was my life without me. It was the first time I'd ever seen her it. from 2003. Mm-hmm. It's basically uh, it, almost kind of akin to the My Life movie from the 90s with uh, Michael Keaton <laughs> talking about Bumerville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, but My Life without Me. I remember seeing her and being like, "Man, that's cool." And she was also in Dawn of the Dead in 2004. Yeah. So like, those were the ones I knew her about. Uh, by and then the first film that I saw her direct though, like once I realized I didn't realize she directed anything until 2012 when she did stories we tell um i never saw a way i never saw a way uh, from her if that's what you're gonna yeah, bring up I will, I've, no
1: i will see your i will see your sarah polly bummerville and raise you with the first thing i noticed her in was adam McGoyan's the sweet hereafter oh, a lovely date film about a bus that goes in the lake
2: and
1: then yeah away from her which is amazing and and julie christie's great in it and i have to bring this up has nothing to do with this conversation but i don't care there there are two commentary tracks from julie christie i wish she would do more one of them was for that film, and she said, "At first, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be Canadian and I didn't want to be cold." <laughs> and, she, and, and, and after afterwards, went, I don't know if I'm going to do another one of these ever again, but I hope you got something out of it. But no, I, I, I Sarah Polley, give Sarah Polly Michael Bay money. She yeah. won't. She won't make a two hundred million dollar match, She'll make ten great films with two hundred million dollars. Yeah.
0: yeah. She, she is awesome, and I, I thought Stories We Tell, that I was like, damn, she's got it. There's, like, that's a- there's also a
1: date film right there. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just thought that was like really powerful, and so thinking of the stuff I've seen her in um, and knowing Stories We Tell, which was the only thing she directed that I knew about, though I know about away from her, it's just another movie like Columbus that I just keep forgetting about, and then it comes up, I'm like, I gotta put this it's, on a list.
1: It's hard, and- <laughs> it's hard to throw in away from her, on a Friday with a pizza and a bottle of wine. <laughs> let's, let's watch Julie Christie's cheese fall upper cracker. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, awesome. uh, that's my life. You know, I'm into it. Is fantastic. it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, that's, that's a good, that's a good choice. I, I'm again, much like Pinocchio, that's another one that I regret not having an opportunity to see. Cause it was one I really, really wanted to. Uh, my number three was just mentioned by Matt though. And that is after sun mm. actually, Uh, It is the uh, Charlotte Wells film, uh, basically about two characters. Uh, You know, it's about Sophie who is really reflecting on uh, the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. So it takes place in the 90s, everybody, which is fun. Uh, memories <laughs> uh, memories, real and imagined fill gaps between mini-DV footage as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. Uh, this really is uh, pretty raw, like you were kind of alluding to. It's, um, it's honestly a lot of reflections. Uh, you get a lot of, like, shot in the TV screen and you see them acting in the TV screen because they sat the camera down or, uh, you know, it's it's really just like an old video camera for most of it. Uh, But I I just have to say this. This is a very experiential film, and I honestly was not on board until about the last third, to be honest. And I'll explain here. It took a while to get me, okay? But then... just something about the latter parts. Um, I don't know if it was when, I'll just say this for those who have seen it, when uh, when the dad uh, goes into the ocean at night, I'll just maybe say it that vague, um, or maybe even a little later, uh, especially once you realize what's actually going on, that this is more of a reflection of this time rather than uh, playing the present time. Uh, it doesn't help that I have an 11-year-old daughter, so every time he's talking to his 11-year-old, I'm like, I have I'm thinking of every conversation I've had with my daughter, you know? And uh just like the the way that this plays out, by the last third, I was actually in tears. Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck did I go from not feeling much at all at the beginning to I'm crying? Like <laughs> um, that's that that's this kind of movie. And I get it. Like you said, Matt, not a lot of action for some people. It really is just like straight up two people on vacation, but the way that they build uh the, the drama and the feels here um, really got me. Matt you're you're chomping but at the bit but the talk. way
1: the way you mentioned that and all three of us are in this boat is we don't ever want to look to our little one and then and then yeah, that's you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> just you know yeah. I was like and so that's why I was like, Yes, I make fun of the mall crowd. Yes, the mall crowd, unless they have a dad and they're already, but I mean there's there's that aspect of I don't this film would have resonated with me 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, oh, but, this yeah, is
1: before I had a kid. But but there's that aspect of you're there's also there's that element the natural element and you're also from a dad's point of view you're like I don't want to be please don't let me be do this dad please don't let me be do this dad please don't No. Let me
0: do I, no, but I have to say this like even though he is uh like you well, know I get what you mean by, yeah. by that because um, there are obviously some areas where it's like hmm you could be a bit more of a dad here. Um, but uh, there are times where I actually admire his aloofness. Um, He's not he is not a yeah. he is not an overbearing parent. God he's letting not. her. feel There's a point where he's talking to her. They're floating in the water. And he just goes, hey, if you ever like drink too much or crash your car or take drugs. And she's like, dad, stop it. And he's like, no, I'm being serious. Just you can always talk to me, dude. That's like that is me now. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like, don't ever be afraid to talk to me about like. Even if it makes me mad, the first thing I'm going to do is like make sure you're okay. And we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to be an asshole about it. Okay. But like, of course, there are other times where he may not be as uh, admirable. uh, But uh, I just, man, there's just something real about it. And what's funny is I think every dad can see themselves in all sides of this father to the extent that we do hope that our kid wouldn't say, that reminds me of you. Right. Like, but I think that. I think the the concern of that is because we can relate to all of the things, both blessings and curses, right? Um, and uh, Joe, I'm gonna toss it off to you real quick, though. Um, yeah. Did you see this one? And if so, what were your thoughts?
2: I I did see it, and you know this this is this year was one of those years for me where I saw a lot of these movies that that got this kind of acclaim, and I just I I wasn't in the headspace for it. I I didn't love this movie. Um, you know, and and there's another one after Yang is another one that I, you know, I didn't comment on much. That it just didn't resonate with me, and and I think I think it's probably more a function of where I was at in the moment that I was watching it than anything. Um, but yeah, I watched it and I was like, well, that was a movie, okay, and I I kind of moved on. But I I did catch a couple of those things. Um, uh, that you know that that scene where he he does talk to her about, um, uh, you know about you know if you ever do these things that most parents would just lose their mind over, like I'm gonna not be judgmental of you. Like that that was that was definitely a fun moment but then, you know, the movie ended and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm just moving on. But yeah, uh, yeah, but I again I think I think that's more that's more me than it is, you know, the the movie was was not good.
0: Yeah, I well, I I want to say this. You and I we we talked about Tar last week. Yes. And one of the things that I said was uh I feel like you're either going to love this movie or it's going to be all right and yep. it's all in how you connect with Kate Blanchett's character. Mm-hmm. I feel like however you connect that, not relate to, but however you re- react to that character will be a big difference in how you uh, connect with the film. I think after Yang and after Sun, depending on the headspace you're in, depending on uh, like how you feel going into it. And after Sun, I was not feeling like that kind of movie when I started. And that's probably why I was not quite on board until it took me by force. <laughs> like like yes. there were certain things happening where I was like, fuck, this is... This is heavy, man, but it's like real to me. You know what I mean? It's not just in the way it's shot. It's just like I said, like it's this is warts and all. You know what I mean? You're yeah. seeing all of these things. And there's something about movies like that uh that I really love. Which... I would
2: I would call this a, a cousin spiritually to uh a twenty eighteen movie called Eighth Grade that um uh, yep. uh, I think and I know you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it, it's got that same naturalistic sort of. Oh, Austin, watch! Yeah, watch Eighth Grade, man. I haven't fantastic. seen it. Fantastic. Yeah, but it's it's got the same it's the same vibe with yeah a, a a teen you know girl coming into her teens, um, and you know going through things that that girls that age go through. It's terrifying as a father. It is absolutely terrifying at times, but it is it is terrific. And yeah, I I would say. If you if you did see that movie and liked it, maybe check out After Sun and see what um, you know, see how you think they compare. But um, that that would be one that yeah, I would point out and be like, yeah, these are these are kind of spiritual cousins.
1: I'm sorry you because you brought up uh, Eighth Grade Joe. So so first off, we as a dad, we've learned when you talk to your kids in their mm-hmm. bedroom, just peeking in the doorway, put a shirt on. Always do that. <laughs> Never <laughs> don't be don't that dad. Just make a little effort. But I remember going to the screening for this at AMC Castleton, and there were two moms in the row in front of me. And about about halfway through the film, they said, "Oh, poor dad," and I'm almost in tears. Going, I didn't yell at them, but in, internally, I was like, "Shut up! She's going through a lot. All right, it's her last week in <laughs> school. He's doing fine. Up yours. What's wrong with you?" You know.
0: But there's also so much, like subtly alluded to with what's going on with their parents, and you know, like like you get a lot of insight into her life. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I yeah, I, I I feel the same. If I had heard that, I would probably react the same way. In mm-hmm. the same way as if they said, poor her, I'd probably react the opposite way too. Like he's going through a lot
1: right no. now. To, this, to this day, Joe, there's a, there's a moment in, in the play. So my kid is in Chicago. They go to Loyola. They're in their junior year. And I, I, I went up. They don't have a car, so I had to drop them off. And to go get breakfast with them, I just kind of leaned against the doorway and just i can still to the day go i think you're really cool i think you're really good which is a scene out of eighth grade and and they know it and they're just like oh my god stop doing that job don't ever do that ever again
0: that's so funny so
1: not being a cool dad but trying to be the compassionate dad which is slightly better than trying to be the cool dad but it
0: still is but not
2: awkward. much it's awkward <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not much yeah. better
0: I just the last thing I'll say is I just feel like this is a movie you have to feel, yeah, you know what I mean. And and if someone yeah. doesn't feel this movie as they watch it, um, it's gonna fall flat. I feel. Uh, and so uh, you know, give this a shot if you're into kind of slower burn movies that are uh more about slice of life uh rather than like major narrative or plot, but more about just you're gonna watch these people live and you're gonna learn something about people. And anyone who knows me knows I love learning about people like that's something that I love. So that really resonated with me. All that to say, we're jumping up to number two. So Mm -hmm. Matt, give me your number two.
1: Well, I I mentioned uh, my number three, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I was, I was praising the vocal talents of that cast because everybody wants to work with Guillermo del Toro. My number two had the vocal performances of the year. My number two is Marcel, the shell with shoes on. (laughs) <laughs> another example of complex innocence a series of little films about and if you go on facebook it's my profile picture of a yeah, shell yeah. with an eye and shoes voiced by jenny slate that's just in a oh and is the subject of a documentary as one would be um and and trying to live its life under its circumstances you know, with a with a aging grandmother voiced by Isabella Rossellini, who I hope they bring to the Oscars to present
0: something. The two of them really. Um, and, and God, just what I, an Oscar. What what a what a duo for the Oscars. Right? It would be awesome because they're so two, different.
1: Those two should <laughs> be in a limo until 5 a.m. just you know, booze and guys or bras or whatever they want to do. They should just you know never never take their purses out never pay for anything give them a night out anyway but but the but the shell adjusting to its life going getting through stuff in the garden also the thing that we you you never supposed, you're never supposed to see in a documentary is talking to the filmmaker questioning the filmmaker and there's that little compare that little companionship between the filmmaker and the shell and uh, it's it's simple and it's sweet but it's also very complex into the behavior of the shell and its relationship and its family. And it, it was one of those, it, I remember the first time I watched it and it, it hit all the feels. And then I watched it the second time with my family and it's, st- it still held up.
0: Yeah. yeah I, you know, again, it was my number eight, as I mentioned, I, I thought because of your profile picture, it'd be higher. So I didn't talk much about it, but uh, right. seeing it on the plane, like I said, <clears throat> I had no idea. I saw Jenny Slate's name on it. I think she might have also been, like, a producer or something. I don't know. But I, I didn't know she was the shell until after I watched it. That's all I remember. And I saw the, the credits, and I'm like, what? So then I even, like, I put it back on at one point, and I still just could not hear Jenny Slate. I was just like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is awesome. Like, it was such an awesome performance, because it's also... Not the typical Jenny Slate that we see. Like, if you were to watch the romantic comedy uh, I Want You Back from yes. from last year, which I had a great time with, by the way. Um, but that is not the Jenny Slate. That is Marcel, okay? Uh, and and she is so good here. And somehow she and Isabella Rossellini, who I think of as so different in my brain, but man, they they connect so well here. And I just feel like, like I said, we've seen this kind of, Uh, these plot points before but there's something so fresh about the way that it's hit in this movie because maybe because we're seeing it from a very specific kids point of view so to speak you know what i mean or literally a shell like i don't i can't put my finger quite on why it feels so fresh but this really caught me off guard like i said i was in a plane sitting next to some strangers I'm watching this movie and I'm like on the verge of tears at the end. Like, like what is going on? A freaking movie about a shell is like really hitting me right now.
2: But yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. Uh, this, this is, you know, when, what I seeing back to, or uh, referring back to my previous comments, this is another one of those. I tried to watch this movie twice and I could not get into it. And I, I was just like, I don't know. 2022 is, has, uh, you know, murdered my spirit because, I you know I I wanted to love it and I was like everybody loves it this is going to be like this is going to be Paddington two for this year for me and <laughs> it, it just wasn't I tried to watch it twice I haven't it off I was just like I just don't care about this movie why don't I care about it what's wrong with me but um, yeah you you guys are certainly not alone in loving this movie um, and and it's you know it's getting a lot of attention but it it just it didn't hit for me for whatever reason and I again I was going to reference um, I want you back as as another Jenny Slate movie I really did enjoy this year um but yeah it, it's yeah it, it was something else i i i just wanted to like it a lot and just couldn't make myself so.
1: i would i would have this as a double feature uh with the film version of where the wild things are yeah okay mm. Absolutely. another yeah, one of complex innocence of on paper it's it's a boy and his monsters and they go frolic but then the film is able to add more a backstory for the characters for the monsters that was much needed and really good vocal talent. And they were able to expand that. You know, this is based on a series of short films of a cute little shell talking way over our heads at times of what we expect from, if you, again, this is another one. Could you imagine pitching this? Which is why we thank God we don't have to deal with, you know, cigar smoking exec old white dude executives Mm -hmm. behind a giant ass desk doing unspeakable things to a plant Yes. You know, you can get your films done another ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not only is it wild that this was made, uh, but I love your concept of of uh, of complex innocence. Like, what a way! Because we we get these really profound things said by Marcel that we don't expect because they are so innocent whenever they're said. But whenever you think about what it means, it's like wow. It's just like whenever my daughter was uh, younger than she is, she still does. But when she was like five or six, she would say something. And I'm like, that was actually surprisingly deep. Like, like good on you. But also, like, not only having that, um, but then, you know, Marcel is also, you know, calling pubic hairs like tough hairs or whatever. Like, it, it goes from, Stop. like, silly and, and, and innocent and funny because I laughed out loud multiple times during this movie too but to like the heartfelt thing very well.
1: Yeah, it's um yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the word to say about this movie. Yes, and Joe's wrong. Okay, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that because i'm certainly not wrong about this next one so yeah Ooh, i i uh what a yeah.
1: setup all right
2: yeah go go for it joe Wait, Wait,
1: batting donuts joe shearer
2: oh yeah the, this is my this is my movie to call you to the carpet austin uh for sure this is uh this is not my number two so much as it's my one a or one b okay. um uh, because you know and i and i have, have had people tell had people telling me throughout the year to watch this movie. This is, you know, I, I spoke about Paddington 2, and I've talked about that a lot, where, you know, this is a movie that, you know, I was, had been told time and time and time again to watch, and I resisted and didn't watch it and put I it off. I have no idea what you're about to say. Yeah. All <laughs> well, right. I can't let's, figure let's it good. out. I, I'm going to unleash it in just a second. Paradise. So I I finally got to this movie, and I I got through it, and I said, this movie is fucking delightful. And, uh, and this is a movie that um, I... I do believe um, our esteemed host dislikes pretty strenuously. This movie is RRR, R yes. My favorite slash second favorite movie of the year. Um, it's a, a Bollywood. If it's not Bollywood proper, it's it's adjacent. Uh, it, it was made in India. It's a combination of subtitles in English language. It, it's an action movie. It's a comedy. It's a romance. It's a it's a bromance also between two men, uh, set in uh in india during the time of revolution uh there are crazy like fights with lions and tigers and and there's oh, a wow. man taking on literally a thousand people uh just fight just like nutty fights there's dance sequences and romance and uh motorcycle chases and i absolutely loved it i loved every single moment of it it was 3 hours long and that's what that's what gave me pause throughout the year was man it's gonna be three hours long and i was finally like i gotta watch this damn movie and i watched it and i was like that movie is an absolute delight and uh uh matt matt is ready to talk so i'm gonna just turn it over go
1: oh no no, no. i'm gonna here because here's the thing i'm gonna here's how i i have not seen this uh this film however i know the love that you two have for uh well me too so uh i'm gonna play gordon Soli uh at this <laughs> moment and say joe when you see Austin at the uh, at the fairgrounds on Friday night, what are you going to do to tell Austin that he should watch RRR? We'll
2: I'm going to sure take this fist. Gets...
1: Yeah, we'll make sure your opponent gets a beat. Go ahead, Joe. What are you going to do Friday night at the fairgrounds?
2: Listen, listen. I know my belly's just a little big and my hiney's is just a little big, but I am bad. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I love
1: that. But I guess so, Austin. When you go to the fairgrounds on uh, on Friday night against your opponent uh, Joe Shear, what are you going to tell him about RRR?
0: Listen here, brother, <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> no, you're I wrong, I am brother. actually uh, no Joe Joe set it up. I want I want to I want to defend uh, this real quick because I am very much in the minority. I yeah. was stoked to watch this uh, yeah. because I saw it has a huge rating on Letterboxd. Everyone, film lover, average Joe, like whoever was into this movie on my social media and I watched it and this ended up number 47. Uh, I actually kind of hated it, but I I understand why people like it, though. And so Uh this this really falls into you could talk about MCU movies this way. You could talk about like any contemporary blockbuster um. A lot of them don't have a whole lot of depth. Okay. A lot of them don't have any kind of real like meat and potatoes. So it really comes down to is this entertaining to you? Because if it is, like you said, it'd be a delightful experience. Mm -hmm. And I got through about 15 minutes of it and I was like, God, I hope this picks up because I'm having a bad time. (laughs) And then like I watched three hours and seven minutes of this and afterwards was like, is this better than, uh, uh, texas chainsaw massacre like <laughs> like yeah. now listen I, I now listen if it were strictly if i were just being really petty this would have gotten a lower rating than i gave it yeah. but i do see the talent there and i want people to understand like check it out check out R for yourself uh it, i'm no one who listens to this show everyone knows that i hated this movie but i also acknowledged it as but you know what there might be stuff in here that you love. If you can get into this, I get why people love this, okay? I just hate all the things it does. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> like it's just not it's just not my thing. All of them are exactly the things I hate about movies. So yeah. it's like it's just the opposite for me. But but Joe, I support this. I support this choice <laughs> okay. because I I it's just one of those I get it. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. I well, get what it.
1: What was your 46 then,
0: Austin? Uh my my <laughs>
1: Are we going to get into this? You, get you brought up a number. So, yeah, you're not mm, right. Up in yeah, number 46
0: I'm gonna it. is Smile. Oh, uh, Jesus. I mean, I mean 48, smart me, guy? Uh, 48 is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's why I made oh, the joke. Wow. <laughs> well,
1: do, do, I think you said something about your mom. So what are you going to do? Uh,
0: there? <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously. I I, mean, it, it is. Like I said, I, if it were if I were just being really petty and just like like. Yeah. Whatever, I'd, I I would have given it a lower rating, but trying to be fair because I do see value in it. Yeah, because uh, yeah. those those music videos, though, it does feel like I just like switch channels to MTV circa like you know two thousand or something. But uh, but like the music stuff is like legit. You know what I mean? Like, and it is fun. Uh, I think they call this a Tollywood film because it is just adjacent to the Bollywood stuff. But it, for all intents and purposes, it fits within that Bollywood style, and I have no nothing against that. Uh, there's something didn't connect with me, and and dude, I'll tell you this. Here's a perfect example. All the action stuff is exactly the type of action shit that I hate. Yeah, and I think, and it's just like I just don't. I get it. If people love this, this is the greatest movie ever. Like I totally get it. It's yeah. just not for me, is all. Uh, but you know what, Joe? I, I'm not going to go into mine yet. But I'm just going to say like my number two will give it back to you, so it's fine. <laughs> um, right. But so so
1: what? so what all right austin and joe what kind of match what kind of lazy booking match would you want with your opponent friday night at the fairgrounds <laughs> joe, what kind of match with austin Dude,
2: uh, cage match of course yeah. yeah i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make the there i have a i have a, a more modern racial stereotype type joke i could throw in there
1: oh <laughs> i'm not gonna I'm sure
2: because imagine. i, I want to be above that uh, you know and i i love this movie Do much to to sully it like that but yeah yeah we could just we could have a cage match over i'm gonna i'm gonna have someone uh uh slide a chair under the cage while i'm in there to to help me out so okay very good this this is uh before i jump into my number two this is
0: something uh i do want to say rrr is one of those strange movies where Again, I, I totally get it. There are some movies I just don't get why people like, and it pisses me off. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, RRR was not one of those. So I, it, it is it is like deeply my own interpretation and, and interest in what's happening.
1: Triangle of Sadness doesn't
2: know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and in fairness, I did just spend the last twenty five minutes or so talking about these movies that I I didn't love that everybody else did. So uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, all all fairness and all credit to you so yeah that's probably
0: the biggest one i'm not just being diplomatic either like sincerely i get it and but the thing is like that's mine for this year i guess is uh is that one you know so um god um <laughs> i don't even know where to go with my number two <laughs> didn't know wrestling
1: uh, was really gonna come into play this time around did you
0: no well it always does i i know better uh, <laughs> um I spent uh, an entire episode, like a solo went solo, talked for fifty minutes about this movie. Um this this one's gonna I, I don't even know if I can look at the cameras because I'm I'm just gonna wanna like debate. Uh but my <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt just got super close and mean mugged me, but uh my number two, for better or for worse, is Andrew Dominic's blonde. <laughs> uh it's based on the novel by Joyce Carol Oates um and of course Anna de Armas got a nod at the Oscars this is on Netflix um dude personally I think blonde is criminally underrated uh it's a failed biopic it doesn't work as a biopic in my view I also don't think it is a biopic uh this is an adaptation of a fictional novel based on the real person which has overlapping realities of course uh, but furthermore, it's about a pop star icon, Marilyn Monroe, of course. That uh, you know the film revolves around, and I think that's really critical. I think it's very critical that this is such a pop star, because uh, it seems uh, I don't like the film that Dominic thinks he made. <laughs> I've I've like I've uh, watched a bunch of interviews with him, and he makes it out to be so trivial. And I watched this movie before say
1: that to him to his face.
0: Oh, I I, I would too, because like it, he does not back me up at all. Like it, it's like, after I watched this movie, I started watching like, dude, what was he doing? And he's just like, I just thought these pictures were cool. Like, it's just so lame. And so, you know, I watched this and I'm also coming also from an academic background. Intention doesn't really matter to me. It's about what the text shows me. Although intention can be a fun thing to discuss. And uh, this film is way more to me about how Hollywood and society at large treat women in the business, uh, how we don't know shit about their past traumas or anything like that. Yet we push and demand and push and demand. I also don't believe film inherently has to be entertaining. Uh, This is a hard watch. This is the hardest watch of the year for me, probably. But I found that the production alone so take all the content of the narrative or whatever the production is stunning i think probably all of us to an extent uh, who's seen it at least could probably at least say like this movie looks fucking cool um but and it also doesn't help listening to andrew dominic talking about his production choices because they're all ultimately trivial <laughs> um but um at the very least it looks cool but this movie i i didn't There was not another movie this year, including my number one, that I talked to more people about for as long as I did. Um, As I said, I did a 50-minute episode, kind of half the time confronting other critics' feelings about it and talking about why I basically think they're invalid. (laughs) Um, And uh, this one just really sat with me. And it's my number two. And everyone fucking hates this movie. And I feel like the fucking contrarian... Who's like I'm gonna put this as number two, but dude, if I'm honest, my top two are were so easy for me to choose. My number one is like so by far my number one, um, but then it's like two, and then it's everything else, right? Um, and blonde, I just didn't have another experience like it. Some people would say I'm glad. <laughs> Most people wouldn't yeah. want this anymore, um, but I found a lot of uh, a lot to chew on in this that I valued. As someone who critiques film, I just can't think of many films that uh, really kind of, uh, 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 what's the word, Um, indict Hollywood and society, especially at the time, um, the way that this film does, albeit it does it in a very visceral and raw and unabashed way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I liked it. That said, I'm sincerely asking this question. I'll start with Joe, if you don't mind. Um, let me know what you thought because I know that I know most people didn't like it. I'm expecting backlash, that's okay. fine, but yeah. I sincerely want to know, like,
2: what you think? Yeah, uh, so well, I'll say this it was number 87 for me. Um, there you go. So that, so that, uh, it, it all it 86. Come on, let's go. Because well, well, I, I, <laughs> I think 88 is funnier. My number 88 was Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, so <laughs> yeah. But uh, white noise was eighty six, by the way. Oh, uh, you, know, uh, you know we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it quite a bit more than you did. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I certainly, uh, yeah, I certainly. By the way, ninety six is my total for the year, not counting a couple that I didn't count, like Marcel Duchamp, because I didn't get all the way to the very end. Um, and there, there were a couple others that ended up not on the list just because I didn't uh, get through them. I got not maybe ninety percent through a couple of them, and it's like I'm not going to count. But sure. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, I, I I very much respect the 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 way that, that you explained your thoughts on it, and I think that that's um, I think that says something that you're you know you're not accepting it as face value. I I took more exception to them uh, creating her as a, a character who is exploited, and then there are just all of these like lingering nude shots of her nude and. And 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 I know you know there's there's a you know the and the argument that you're making, which I, I think is a valid one, is that you know it's it's showing it's it's kind of demonstrating sleaze by sort of being sleazy uh, in a in a sense, and um and and I think that and I think that's valid uh to, for sure, but it yeah I, I I was very turned off by it. And yeah, and, and a lot of Andrew Dominic's comments, yeah, about the movie afterwards. I was just like, I, yeah, that's not the movie that I watched either. Yeah, I think you're very yeah. right that, that the movie it, is not, it was is not the movie that I watched. Either.
0: And it says a lot that it's my number two because, like, listening to Andrew Dominic, I was like, fuck, dude, just shut up. Like, right. like, like, I hated reading and listening to his yeah. comments because I was just like, dude, I feel like you are doing a disservice to what you made, and I can't believe I'm defending a movie you made better than you like what is happening but what you say i think is really uh is really valid and i think um listening to people talk about uh like there are two things i i saw a lot that i actually gave merit to that i was kind of chewing on one was uh is uh, the kind of legacy of Marilyn Monroe um and then the other which i personally think is critical to the point but if it were just a sleazy biopic I would probably be on that side. Uh, The other side of it is. um, uh, Oh, shit. I just forgot it. Um, Oh, uh, the the you know, she was exploited in life. And now this film is exploiting her. And I think that's valid. Again, I tend to come from it through the lens of that's the point Mm -hmm. is like to you know what I mean. But I can also see validity in the argument against it. Right. I just don't land on that side, but I don't think it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I and but this is the thing the discourse around this film kept me thinking for like no joke like weeks I was thinking about this movie like just really like just struggling with it almost you know what I mean I'm just like thinking through it it was one of the for as fucked up as this movie is and as much as fucked up as it feels to say this mm-hmm. it was one of like the best cinematic experiences I had Not just watching it, but I mean, overall, like sometimes there are those movies that you can really dig into and talk for hours with friends and and, you know, put all of these little things together. But it was even more fun when Andrew Dominic was doing everything he could to ruin the movie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like talking about it. And then here I am, like overthinking this movie, you know what I mean? And just coming up with things that were really true to me that I found value in. Um, but no, I I get I get the criticisms. Trust me. Uh, but uh, Matt, did you see this? And if so, I, I did not.
1: I did not. And it's so it's on my list. But I do have a couple of questions. I I'm yeah, also please. We're I'm going to be Gordon solely, but I'm not going to ask you to act like wrestlers about this. <laughs> but um, so first off, don't watch it with Babylon for a double feature, right?
0: No. Okay. Yeah. Probably not.
1: <laughs> well, and and I've heard all of this. I've heard all this. And by the way, Austin, you know, and Joe, you know, I have. My collection of of films has its share of fucked up shit, so that's
0: yeah.
1: Another person's yum is another person's fucked up shit. Yeah. Um. But this sto- I kept hearing stories about the film, and 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 I wondered, is there a certain element that is reminiscent of I'm Not There, the biopic on Bob Dylan, as far as the different aspects of Dylan or the different aspects well, see, of exploitation yeah. of Marilyn.
0: Yeah, I, I, I take exception with even considering Blonde a biopic in general. Well, uh, like I, I'm not there is interesting because that I get what you're saying, though. I'm not there is almost like the weird, the weird Al Yankovic thing where it's yeah. almost like capturing the spirit of Dylan in some way by using these little vignettes and using different people. Right. Then what, what, about, what
1: about I remember HBO had the film Norma Jean and Marilyn with Ashley Judd and Mira Servino.
0: Yeah. See, I didn't see that. I, I've seen okay. several of like the more like, uh, you know, what was it? My my, uh, my, my Week with Marilyn. At, my Week with Marilyn. Yeah. I saw that, uh, which was also yeah. not necessarily like factual, but just kind of like a, a weird overlap yeah. thing. I also yeah. saw Insignificance, the Nicholas Roeg film, which is completely, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, like we'll completely play. different, you know, um, and not necessarily based in reality at all either. So, uh, you know, but my, my thing is this just real quick. Because um, some people have talked about like, why would you ever even make a fucking movie about Marilyn Monroe like this? And my thing is this, there are so many documentaries and movies about Marilyn Monroe, some of which are saccharine level mm-hmm. for her, some of which are a bit darker, some of which show a more realistic version of more of the Norma Jean behind the Marilyn and all this. And I look at it kind of like when I was in grad school and I had to do different types of research. And so you have like quantitative research, which is uh, like the really macro like big research right that's how you get like huge mass data right um the u.s believes this like that's that's going to be quantitative research right um and then you have qualitative research which is something much more personal it's usually you might have like uh everybody like sits around you might interview people in like a, a group or one-on-one and you're getting all of this more personal information and when you put those two together you start to really form whatever your subject is, you really start to form a more well-rounded understanding of the subject because you're getting experiential parts. You're getting the larger, grander, uh, generalized side. You're getting all of these things. But within qualitative research, there's something called an autoethnography. An autoethnography is where the actual author themselves writes the piece about their own experiences. There are no other participants. It is just that person's experience now some people in the academia would say that autoethnographies are not research because you have no participants you're just in your own head right i obviously disagree with that but i i don't think it i think it's problematic as it's if that was the only research on something right but when it's a part of the research i think that can be just as valuable as anything else it's not the exclusive it is the part of right and I see no problem having a movie like Blonde to be a part of the depictions of these things, even if it does only show the fucked up Bummerville. Like, if, if, if all Quiet on the Western Front is a f- one way ticket, uh, Blonde trans, like, teleports you to Bummerville. <laughs> like, it is, like, by far the most Bummerville movie. Like, <laughs> I feel like, um, but I just found value in it. And and we've talked about several movies where it's like, it, you know, if you can get into the right mindset, I don't even think this is that. I just think it's you're either going to find value or you're going to hate it. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you real quick and then I'll let Matt or whoever wants to to talk. But um, I, I'm just going to give you the uh, spread on Letterboxd. OK, well, I, I can't really say it, I guess. Fifteen uh, percent of people gave this a half star. um. Seventeen percent of people who saw it uh, gave it a, a, a one star. Ten percent gave it one and a half star. Like that's a bunch. Now, whenever you get to five, two percent, four, two percent, or four and a half, I mean, uh, four seven percent. Like it's it's way up on the on the bad side and really small on the big side. Yeah. And uh, and the funny thing is the tallest columns are on the far bad side, everything from half star to two star. Uh, And so, so this movie was like really hated, but when I, it it breaks my heart because when I see people, why people say it, it is so the opposite experience that I had, like not even opposite, just we're on two different playing fields. You know what I mean? Like it's just two different things. I see biopic thrown around a lot and it just like bums me out because I think there is a lot to value here and, Unfortunately, it is overshadowed by the fact that you have a pop culture icon who's beloved and is being showcased in an exploitive way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt, what, what were you going to say?
1: No, I was like, how, so we shouldn't take biopics as gospel, is what you're saying. So shocked to find out that there's gambling going on here. No, the,
2: well, the, the important thing, I, I think, to Austin's point, to a degree anyway, the thing to keep in mind is that this is based on a a Joyce Carol Oates novel. So it's not, it's not based on, it's not intended to be a biopic necessarily. It's meant to be sort of a, it's, it's a snapshot of, of her life. And it, it boils her down to, you know, her, you know, the, her insecurities and then the way that she was exploited by Hollywood. So there, you know, there there is a Joe DiMaggio, but he's never called Joe or you know Joe DiMaggio. But you yeah. very much know that that's who it is. And there, you know, there's a, a scene with John F. Kennedy where he's the president, and he's not John, he's not President Kennedy, he's the president. So it's it's you know thinly veiled, but it, it's also, um, it, you know, it it does things to those people as historical figures that, you know, I, I would say. I would certainly hope the things they depict in the in the movie from those two things. I hope that there is is a, a level of inaccuracy to it because it's very troubling people yeah. who were you know are iconic historical figures. Um, you know, it, it makes them out to be sort of despicable people uh, in a lot of ways and and many yeah. others too. Many other you know very real people who they kind of remove their name and otherwise you know. Uh, but it, I, I I think there is. I don't I don't think that by itself is you know is is a condemnation of the movie I think it's it's sort of the the entire thing for me that it it just yeah you know to to the you know the point I made earlier was that it 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 asks you it it boils her down to someone essentially like very literally with daddy issues um and and people take advantage of that in a in a very real way but at the yeah. same time there are multiple sex scenes with her you know where there's like lingering shots of her nude and um, you know, there, there's kind of there, and there's there's a sequence that I, I don't even know whether it's true or not, where she's in sort of a throuple with two men, and there's you know there, there's just a lot of you know kind of titillating yeah. sort of scenes in that. So that those are the kind of things that that got me, and, and you know, and and like you said, I I couple that with with the comments that Andrew dominic made that are just just very boneheaded and and yeah, uh, <laughs> and so, it just it just didn't so, hit. So
1: to cleanse our palate, we should watch something more uplifting like The Misfits.
0: yeah yeah yeah. or or some like a hot something you know what i mean like something uh uh, something to get us going yeah um yeah i think i just want to clarify one thing is if someone watches this as a biopic traditionally speaking um which i've already said i disagree with that uh that uh thing but but if someone watches it that way it's a failure it is extremely reductive if you watch it in that way so what you're saying i agree with joe like if people watch it that way, it is that um, it is exploitation. It mm-hmm. is these things yeah. when you watch it through the lens as a condemnation of these things and something that is a conversation started to talk about how like there's a scene where uh, she leaves a, a um, premiere and she is driving away and there are just oceans of men like a sea of men like but they look angry at her. And they're just like, it's like they're fucking zombies or something. Like they're yelling, they have, they're scowled, they're like reaching for, her, but it's because they like love her and they want her, right? And all of this, it's very much like an adoration, but the way it's depicted is like they're like a mob, you know? And it's like I don't know how someone watches that as a, like a biopic, and it's like, yep, that yep, that doesn't mean anything. Like to me, it's very much a condemnation. Of how we exploit these people. So my point is, um, I, I just have a different view on it. But I 100, much like RRR, where it's like I don't agree, but I get it. I totally get the blonde criticisms. I just disagree with them. Matt, what's up? No,
1: no just, just watch Day of the Locust, both of you, and it'll <laughs> <Okay.
2: get> it <laughs> well, be you,
1: you want if you well, want a genuine cynical look at Hollywood that was done 50 years ago? You know, go go there. It's all right.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's uh, let's get to our number one, which might actually we might all have the same one, which surprises me. But I'm gonna start with Matt. Matt, what is your number okay. one?
1: Okay, wait for hands. My my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I when when I saw because uh, yeah, I had went to Everything Everywhere All at Once and I saw Joe's rating, uh-huh. and I was like. Fuck, that's a high rating, dude. That that might be his number one, too. And then um, I feel like I saw, or no, it was for my episode. You had called in, uh, Matt, and you had said that this was your favorite back then, and I didn't know if it had been beaten. This is
1: another example of, um, we want to thank the powers that be that set this up for us. We had a screening of it at Newfields. uh, Mm -hmm. Indie film, uh, uh, Heartland. Heartland um, Heartland has set that up, so thank you for that. And uh, that was and it was one we were still kind of in the early stages of like going back to the movies. So I'm sorry, Top Gun Maverick, I saw this first. But uh, but that aspect of seeing something and it was just original enough and odd enough. And it's, it went there and held its chin high. If I was to pitch this like in The Player, I'd say it's sliding doors meets inception of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> what happens when you take a different path and the fact that you take a different path and there's Jamie Lee Curtis and James Hong and, you know, short round but cooler and uh, you know you get to showcase Michelle Yeoh who is in the badass female hall of fame mm-hmm. you know she's a bond woman she rode a motorcycle on a moving train and super cop and the, just... she's a
2: star trek captain for god's sake thank
1: you yeah all of that so <laughs> from nerddom to emotions to the, you know again we've talked about before the paths we want to take as humans and we get to see a great original what if told so many different ways with hot dog fingers <laughs> and multiple nominations and recognition for a lot of people that deserve it. This was just a lot of fun. And then I I was able to revisit it uh, with my family months later, and I still enjoyed it, still enthralled by it. What else you got, guys?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll say this real quick. Uh, this came out April 8th of 2020. Wow. That's early, yeah. and it was never beaten. Like, that's I I
1: – I, I i'm sorry This reminds me of like when, when silence of the lambs came out early one year and i know there was a few of us critics that when i think it was off remember it was july or august when hell or high water opened and for the rest of the year you kept going is it better than this is it better than this is it better than this
0: yeah yeah this is <clears throat> i mean dude this movie I, so i i watched this back in probably may i didn't get to see it in theaters uh, i forget how i got a chance to see it but um I saw this, like, way back, way early, and uh, I rewatched it with my buddy a couple weeks ago, and I had the exact same experience. I was laughing out loud. I uh, teared up at the end. I, You know, like, I hit every emotional or every, like, uh, all across the emotional spectrum. I was just, uh, you know, just ice skating. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's just yes. like back and forth all around uh but this is written and directed by the daniels daniel kwan and daniel Scheinert. um and as we already mentioned you know michelle yo uh short round as he said yeah. uh stephanie sue and um jamie lee curtis uh this is still not streaming anywhere that i can find and on amazon even you can't rent it you have to still buy it and i'll tell you right now if anybody's willing to drop 20 bucks this is A guaranteed good time so like i would just straight up because here's the thing i saw this and i was like easy number one back in like may or something Mm -hmm. and we rewatched it a couple weeks ago like i just said and uh i was like easy number like this is so far number one for me Mm -hmm. for the year uh it's 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 just easy i don't know
2: joe what do you got yeah i so i got i got a couple of stories so um yeah i I tried watching this movie so many times um, and and the reason I was failing was because of access to it. I was looking for it. I put it on, um, you can uh, on, on Roku, you can kind of set a, uh, like a reminder, like, you know, when this is available. And I did that and it was, you know, it just went on and on. This is, this is kind of some shrewd marketing. I think on their part that this movie has gotten all of these accolades, all of these nominations now, and you still can't watch it on, you know, on streaming without buying it. Um, so I I want to be uh, I'm going to be interested to see how, how that works out. Um, but yeah, but I waited months and months and I heard all the all the good stuff about it. And kind of my happiest day was when my screener copy arrived for it. And I I put that thing in and, and I started watching it late and I was tired. And as, as I do, if I start watching a movie these days past, you know, 830 p.m., I dozed off and I woke up and I was kind of in a fugue for a while and I was like, "What's the big deal about this movie?" Eh. And then I fell asleep and missed the end. And I woke up and I was just like, "That movie was not that great." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, you fell asleep for half of the third act, dummy!" Like, watch this again. So I went and watched it again. And I was like, "Jesus, this movie was amazing!" Like, yeah, and, and it does. It just hits everything. It is, it it is in the it's in the batshit bonkers hall of fame. It, you know, it is crazy. It's it's one of those.
1: <laughs> just mis- bu- mis- I bump. want. Can we have that award ceremony? Can we have Von Tuxes and
2: hey, we're, we're, we make the the Hoosier Award trophy? I'll make that trophy up too. So
1: batship Barker's <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm yeah. there, man.
2: Yeah, it, it's a it's a multiverse movie, and it out Marveled Marvel's multiverse movie by a far sight. It uh, you know it 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 managed to be uh, emotional and you know, character driven in a, you know, in a uh, movie where characters are five and six different people in the same body, uh, you know, played by the same actor. Dude. There's martial arts action. There's James D. Curtis with hot dog fingers. There's just like, you know, it's, uh, and you guys called him short round. He's short round, but he's also data from the Goonies to me. Um, nice. you know, yeah. He Quan. Great-
1: I'm sorry the great thing about this year is when the nominations come out you are forced to learn somebody's name
2: yes and,
1: and yep. so yep. and Haqua is probably the top of that along with Bill Nye or Bill Nye yeah. of yeah. of you know we finally they finally we finally get their names cemented to memory.
2: Yeah, absolutely yeah. And, and and it's it was just this movie is just it it's a it's a drama about or in some sense it's a drama or a comedy about uh, a, a young girl who wants par- acceptance from her parents. Uh, and and embracing her sexuality and you know it's a a, also the struggle of a woman coming from a a a conservative culture who's a a conservative you know in some senses culture where she's trying to come to accept things about her her daughter and you know and herself but yeah and herself and a marriage drama and yeah her place in the world like this movie does everything and it does everything so well but how like, it's the like, only five star movie I gave this year and, yeah, and, and but, I'm well, very pleased pleased to do so
0: yeah I just can't even figure out how it does it all like I watched it with my buddy and I'm like how did they do it and he's like yeah. honestly when you told me that at the beginning I thought it was going to be a fucking mess right and, but he's like it's it works somehow and I'm just like I don't know how dude they at one point have a black hole bagel they literally do! a bagel yes yeah. And it's like, what is going on? Because I like feel real feelings right now about this bagel. Like, yeah. you know, but there's even a, there's even a scene where in one of the alternate realities, because this is almost Matrix like uh, in that way, almost uh, in a weird uh, parallel. Yeah. Um, but uh, but by no means a rip off. It's just awesome. They're, they have to do weird things in order to uh, get these powers from other forms of themselves in other dimensions. so in another dimension if one of them is a singer uh then whenever they uh tap into that they can have like more of a, like lung span or whatever or like if one's a martial artist and one they can become like they like no kung fu to make a matrix <laughs> reference you know yeah. like they, they can just do that but it also not only does that it the film nerd comes out there's a point where we literally get in the mood for love sequences. Yeah, like the Wong Kar Wai, that it's literally, uh, Kihui Kwan plays like the main character in in The Mood for Love. You know, like there's it's the it's the classic Wong Kar Wai choppy slow motion and like like they, it's just like amazing, dude. I like love this movie
1: and the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, this is this has also been quite a year for her, and she gets to play Mike Michael Myers. Right. You know, she gets to be the stalker in, a, in another yeah. universe. In that, yeah. and Michelle Yeo gets to make fun of her crouching tiger Bond girl years yeah, by yeah. being this. And uh, you know, James Hong, who's been on the earth for a hundred thousand years,
2: yes.
1: And uh, by the way, that's a another year dude. for
2: him, too. By the way, what a very good year for James Hong, too. Yeah, by the should. Way.
0: he should oh, also oh. be in a
2: limo with booze and broads all night, <laughs> yeah. night or
0: with Isabella you you. Rossellini and Jenny. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> group i want i want a limo with this group and yeah my top two films involve jenny slate in one way shape or form so that's cool but no stephanie stephanie sue as well getting an up and getting recognized was really cool as well um yeah the, these guys could just do they should do checkoff next year i just want to see this group of actors do something different every couple of years but but the but yeah you're talking the nods as far as um you know an homage to this and a a nod to that and yeah it's it's really well done complex a lot of film nerdum, and even if you're not a film nerd you can still enjoy it and follow it and uh yeah it it absolutely delivers everything
0: that's what you just said is actually super important you don't have to know all of these things Mm -hmm. these work exclusively it's not just like They toe the line of pastiche at times or like uh, or some sort of like an homage type thing, but it's always its own. So it's it's not like watching like Family Guy or something. And if you don't know 50 percent of the references, like you just don't get the joke. Like, why was that funny? No, this is funny or serious or emotional. All like you don't have to know Wong Kar Wai's filmography to be touched by those moments between a husband and wife. Yep. like basically talking about what if they were never married or what you know or like what what if we I don't I don't want to spoil anything but my point is like like having these really serious conversations you don't have to know anything about one car why it's still a great moment right yep. but when you do it's like these weird film nerd Easter eggs where it's like oh that that's like totally an homage to this or that is like a a, a scene from this movie or whatever it's um, I mean, I could sit and gush about this, and but yeah,
1: Easter eggs with little googly eyes on them,
0: because <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah
2: and, and yeah, and this is one of those one of those movies that has those Easter eggs, but they're not like say again like Shrek, you know, where where it's very on the nose. It's you know the, these are these are things that you you know you'll recognize, like you said, you know the the Matrix references and you know just just things like that. You and they they feel like references. Not ripoffs, not yes. parodies. It's- that
1: that being said, I do want Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis to present together, but she has to. Michelle has to jump a motorcycle onto the stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, to I the have drop. to say, my, my wrestling nerd them though was really happy because there's a point where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is possessed by a form of herself uh, that is a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so when she's yeah. the I'm most Michael with Jamie Lee Curtis, so. Yeah. <laughs> like when she's the most michael myers-ish I would say where she's slowly just walking brooding that's her wrestling persona and i I love it she I, like someone straight up gets like pile in this movie too by stephanie stew uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and, and I, didn't, I again I don't understand how this could be a movie about um this mother who is not only trying to come to terms with her daughter being a lesbian, or bise- whatever she would identify as, but LGBT regardless, um, or but also trying to figure out her own life mm-hmm. um, and realizing that there's more to it through this whole process while also having scenes with hot dog fingers and having subtitled sequences where two people are just rocks. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, like how yeah. the fuck does this work? And a big black hole bagel. That's so mm-hmm. stupid. And yet it's awesome. Like, <laughs> I just well, don't I, understand. I think... I think- uh
1: yeah i'll go there of uh, um you could almost i hate because we know we've already divided a country up enough we've divided the world up enough those who get this film and those who don't I hate to say it but i think there's a lot of that if you can you mean give just give it a chance and if you can't even give this a chance yeah. i i think you need a little help I think but that's just me I'll be over here with all of my giant books and my dog biscuit so
2: <laughs> but, it's
0: just a fun movie like I don't know yeah. why people wouldn't give it a chance it's it's not it's not I think in um under the surface right I think it is it, there are some highbrow ideas there's some intellectual stuff to think about and break down and there are some themes that you can wrestle with but but on the surface this is MCU fun like like let's just have fun and like, you know, uh, touch people on the forehead and they turn into confetti and kill people with dildos and like, you know, like, uh, yeah, uh, people trying to get their personas from other uh, dimensions by uh, basically shoving trophies in their butts like butt plugs. I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff in this movie uh, that if you just want to sit down, th- get a beer, have some popcorn and have a good time, uh, I still think this works. And yeah. so if you're hesitant, don't, just I don't think pee. like
1: it when with Quentin Tarantino, yeah, I'm bringing him up. The fact that he would take genres or B movie genres and elevate them to an artistic level, to a, to an arty level of taking, um, but taking complexity like we've mentioned, like The Matrix, like Inception, and just make it fun. Um, and somehow we, we all relate to it. it. And, you know, all the again, the you either get the references or you don't, but you still enjoy it no matter what. That's really hard to do. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Yeah. I love Woody Allen. I love, like, even pre-9-11 Dennis Miller, where you either get the references or you don't. And if you do, it's like a 500-foot home run. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that chance. This film doesn't have that problem. You yep. can enjoy it as is, whether you know what what Michelle Yeoh did before this, what Jamie Lee Curtis was started out known for. I mean, it's it it absolutely delivers.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I have one more quick story I want to throw out about about, about this movie. Um, after so, uh, you know, I I watched it. Obviously, it's been my number one since I saw it, and um, I I had so I have these neighbors that are it's a, a young couple, like a super young couple as nice as can be they're you know they're in their they're in their like mid-20s i think and um when they moved in they kind of like looked at me as like a I, I don't want to say a surrogate dad but like their neighborhood dad you know like like they they, they they like come banging on my back door and they're like somebody's trying to break into my house and i'm like what and they're like oh somebody's trying to break in i need and i was like do i need to call the police they're like no i don't think so and then they like go back like turns out like someone accidentally like walked into their house, you know? And then, and then another time it was like, I get a call from them. They're like, Hey, somebody's trying to break into our house, look in the backyard. And I look and I'm like, there's nothing back there. And they're like, well, I keep hearing this banging noise. And I'm like, yeah, you have this screen door that has a, that has a hook on it. And it keeps, so like, I'm I'm telling this long story, like, you know, like they have, I have this like kind of strange relationship with them. They also sued me for um, you know, like in in a way that I very much it's, It's a long story, (laughs) but I'm I'm glad that they got money. They got money from my insurance company for something that happened on my property. Anyway, I'm not mad at him. We're not mad at each other. We're we're kind of friends. Um, I'm not bitter. It's okay. I'm okay. I don't want to go into the point. The point is, um, I got a text from from the guy, and he was like, "Hey, do you have a, a Nintendo GameCube controller by chance?" And I was like, "Yes, I happen to have one. Come over and get it." And he comes over, and he's like, "By the way." We're having friends over. We're going to watch a movie. Like, what should we watch? And I was like, hmm, let me tell you about myself. Because they don't know, like, that I've done this forever. And so I, like, tell them that. And I'm like, listen, this is the movie you need to watch. And I proceeded to oversell the movie, like, to such a degree that they didn't even watch it. So (laughs) they didn't even watch it. Uh, not, Not because I talked them out of it in a weird way. But because I was just like, listen, like, this movie is it's bonkers. It's crazy. Like all this weird stuff happens. And I like was telling them like, you know, the, the multiverse concept. And they're like, Oh, and he's like asking his, his fiance. I think, I think they're engaged. Um, like, what do you think about this? She's like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, listen, take it and watch it and you'll love it. And, and uh, uh, this is, this is by the way um, I'm going to say that I, this was all through very uh, normal and legal channels. Uh, the my my digital copy of this movie um, that is totally not my screener uh, because that would be against the rules and I would never do that so I, I just want to be clear about that I, that's not what this is this is something else um, so anyway <laughs> this, this copy of the movie that I have that is uh, that I I let them borrow legally they didn't watch it and um, and it, they it it's kind of like it is it is honestly my regret of the year because. I really wish they'd watched it because i know that they would have had a great time with it. Um, so um, yeah, it was like, it's it's like my heartbreak that they brought it back without watching it. Yeah. What did they watch? They, they didn't watch anything yeah. in the end. That's, that's, that's the silver lining was they didn't watch anything. Yeah. They They were, they had a friend over. And at the same time I was like, well, this also, this would have been a fine movie to watch with a friend, but also it, it's a movie to pay attention to. And, you know, if you don't pay attention to it, maybe you would lose some things, some flavor to it. So, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. Actually, that is fair. Like th- all for as much fun as we're talking about, and we're talking about hot dog fingers and we're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis as a wrestler and all that shit. Yeah. I think uh, if you really want to get the full experience, you do need to pay attention. But yeah. at least it's going to be a fucking great time while you're paying attention. Yeah, Matt, go ahead.
1: Joe, you mentioned that there. I immediately thought of two. I guess this is a way I'm going gonna to ask you this as well, Austin. Of film recommendations that just didn't go well. <laughs> um, I, I have a lovely fr- couple of friends here in Richmond, Andy and Amy Dudas. And we we were involved with an arts organization. And I let them borrow my copy of The Square. Oh boy. And that did not go well. That did not go well at all. And so I so to bring up a now Academy Award nominated Triangle of Sadness.
2: <laughs> to, I was like, yeah. at the risk of another story, I did once, um, I did once let a a middle aged white woman, um, let's say in her early fifties at the time, borrow my copy of Secretary. Oh, with now listen, I gave her all disclaimers. I disclaimed <laughs> the hell out of that movie. I was like, listen, like this is what this movie is. And she was like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then she cut. She brought it back on Monday, and she just, like, had this sneer on her face. She was like, <laughs> what was that? And I was like, I told you it was weird. She was like, yeah, but not like that. <laughs> and I was like, this yeah. is what it is. Like. I-
1: I can, uh, I had a coworker who's no longer with the station. And, uh, there was a period where there would be a girl's night out. And I was just asked straight out what I, I don't recall if they asked if it was a girl's night out or which is the better film. I think I want to think in my own memory to cover my ass, you know, what's the better film, the dilemma or black swan. And of course I said black swan. Because it is. (laughs) I didn't know it was a girl's night out. This is the same group that they saw. They wound up seeing "Love and Other Drugs" and deemed it porn. I went. It's not porn if it has Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Anne Hathaway in it because right. there's there's a comment about porn and Anne Hathaway. And I'm not doing that. So, all right, Austin, what did you? What fucked up recommendations did you give? Well, I
0: can I can't think of direct recommendations, but I have had a situation where I was like, "Hey, let's watch this," oh, and then no. that went weird. Um, I was dating someone long before um, I, you know, rekindled my love. uh, My wife and I dated back in 2003, stopped, and then 14 years later got back together, and now we're happily married. But the point is, uh, I was dating someone way back when, and uh, I was like, hey, I just got a copy of David Cronenberg's Crash. You want to watch it Oh my god! (laughs)
2: It could have been worse. It could have been the other And it the sad thing worse. is I
0: had seen it. So I thought that this was just a good idea. Yeah.
2: Wow. All
0: right. So that was Bad Choices by Austin Glidden. Uh it, it, it wasn't as bad as you think, but they were just like, What the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> like Did you ask like... if she
1: had a leg wound? Oh.
0: <laughs> no, no, but it was like I don't know. It was it was an inter. it was just they just thought it was super boring. And they're just like, what the fuck is up with people like fucking wounds and stuff in this movie? Like what's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just like, isn't it cool? Like I just (laughs) it was just cool to me because I'd never seen anything like it. I actually don't even think it's that cool anymore. But Mm -hmm. like at the time I was like, this is fucking weird. Do you wanna watch this movie? I
1: I had to learn the hard way twice that you really shouldn't show taxi driver in the early stages of relationship
2: oh yeah. no
0: <laughs> yeah. i really relate to travis bickle you know like you can Two say times. Um, Two times.
1: no but it's a great movie man yeah, yeah. So,
2: someday yeah. we'll I, get um someday we'll get sam back on here and we'll ask him about antichrist <laughs> oh, my God. oh yeah that's yeah that's a that's an interesting one i watched mm. that for the first
0: time with someone else and oh boy because I, I didn't know what to expect, so that, that was a weird one. That's happened many times, so like, Yeah, because uh, that- I, I haven't seen it. But I will say this. This in the, this is a happy story. We can end on this thing. Um, I hesitantly let someone borrow Todd Salon's happiness, because I was like, and like you, like you, Joe, I was like, listen, I don't know how you're going to respond to this. It, 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 the guy's now my best friend. But well, actually, I don't mean, I don't know. I think I'm conflating two different things because my best friend did watch that because I said it. But I think I let someone else borrow it. And I was like, dude, listen, I think this is hilarious. And this is really morbidly dark. Like, like this is as dark as it gets. Um, But like, if you want to watch it, because I forget what they'd watched and they liked. And I was like, if you want to see dark comedy <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, kind of joking. But then they were like, yeah, I want to see this. It has like Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. But And I'm like all right, dude, and I let them borrow it. Luckily, they had a great time, and they were able to not be offended by it. (laughs) But that's that's kind of a hard sell. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Best use of air supply in a film ever.
2: (laughs) We need more air supply in movies. No, we don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just write about. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: yeah, just to write them Well, everybody, that was our top 10 of 2022 guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. On that note, we're going to, we're going to end, uh, but Everything, no, uh, th- we're all at once. Please. Every- I can't. I, am I love that. It was all of our favorite. It's the easy pick to me. That's it's the, the obvious it's choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's the first so far. I think it's the first ever that i've ever talked to some, like a group of people and we all just had the same thing but on the podcast it is for sure the first so uh we'll see if we can if there you know what i hope next year or well this year there's a movie that's so good we all have the same one because that means we got to experience another really great uh a really great film but uh matthew as always man thank you so much for taking the time i know you're a busy man but uh i appreciate you being here
1: I appreciate seeing you guys and we'll see you at the fairgrounds on Friday night, brother.
0: (laughs) Joe, as always, you can fuck off. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, I'll, uh, you know, yeah. Also, my car is done. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Um, Well, I was going to make an RR reference, but I don't need to. It's stupid. Uh, The point is, um, uh, Joe, I'll see you sooner rather than later, I'm sure. Uh, And listeners, uh, let us know what your top 10 is. That is Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Everyone, guys, thank you very much. I'll see you later. Doodles. Bye. And that was our top 10 favorite films of 2022. Very, very uh, excited to get some feedback on this. Did we miss something that you were super into that uh, was not on our list? I guarantee that's the case. That seems to be the way that 2022 is shaping up. But what the fuck? We had the same number one. Uh, You know, uh, uh, this year I didn't see a movie that actually even really came close to knocking that. Uh, everything, everywhere all at once out. So I'm not surprised personally, but Joe and I don't usually agree at this level. So I am very impressed uh, with this. We'll see if this ever happens again. Uh, but uh, yeah, let us know uh, what your top 10 were or what your favorite film was or anything like that. I would love, love, love to hear what you had. Uh, as I said, next week, I'll be uh, talking about infinity pool and we'll have more with that. So please tune in next week, next Tuesday. Uh, hey, fun thing. Uh, also, I'm going back to my alma mater, Ball State University. I'm going to be traveling there tomorrow. Uh, just I don't know why I'm telling you this, but this would be a fun thing just to say. Uh, I'm actually doing a guest lecture in a film class where I get to talk about the French New Wave. So guess what I'm going to do after I uh, post this? Oh, yeah. I'm going to work on a PowerPoint. <laughs> I will talk to you guys later. Hey, Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Seriously, it really means a lot. And uh, good night. Good luck. And take it easy.